Uh, any questions before we get started? Not nah, man. Good roll. Mm-hmm. Well, let's do this, man. Are you ready for Christmas? Yeah. No, it's uh, like I said, it's the first Christmas I've had off in a while, dude. So I'm gonna relax and just enjoy it. Nice. Yeah. Uh, you gonna be doing some traveling? You need some traveling? Hell no, man. We are staying at home. Staying right where you're at. Yeah, man, but the news this morning was already talking about the horrific delays in flights. I'm like, I don't want any part of traveling around Christmas ever. Oh, not even in a vehicle. To hell with that. Hell no. That's even worse. <laughs> so you're up in uh, Arizona, is that right? Yep, Arizona, Phoenix area. Okay, is that something that you care people knowing? I'm recording oh, no, now, everybody by knows. the way. So. Everyone knows I'm out here in Arizona, man. So Okay, I just want to make sure we don't, uh, again, you know. Say something you don't want to say. Last name, all that people, people know your last name. Yeah, I think pretty much everybody knows that. But you okay. know, search for Mike Mills on the internet, and you'll get the lead guitarist for REM. So, <laughs> is that his name? Yeah, it's Mike Mills. That's me in the corner. <laughs> That's me yeah, in the spotlight. That's the only REM song I know. Yep. We had a uh, a friend growing up. His name we called him Kool Aid. He would always sing that song. And he was he was like this, you know, six foot, three hundred pound, uh, teddy bear kind of dude, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's hilarious. Uh, well, there we go. We're we're back, Leadheads. Another episode of the Talking Lead Podcast. Welcome in. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, as you hear, I've got a guest with me already. Uh, Mike Mills with Tactical Considerations is our special guest today. Leadheads, you probably saw the post asking for questions, and if you didn't, you missed out. Uh, you missed your opportunity to ask Mike questions. <laughs> but I'm sure they can get in touch with you elsewhere, right? Yeah, absolutely. All Every social media platform there is, I'm probably on it, just at Tactical Considerations, whether it's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and you know, pretty much everything else that's are you doing? Are you doing all those other ones, like TikTok, and and uh, what's what's some other ones that are out there? Uh, no, nah, I'm not a TikTok man. Yeah, I don't I do any of others either. Yeah, I do. I'll be. I'm on like Parlor and Instagram, Facebook, uh, and then auto upload to other things like Full Thirty and stuff. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I ain't trying to participate in the communist China spy propaganda on right? TikTok. Do you think that? Yeah. You think that's legit? You think that's really a, a spy thing from China, or is that just something uh, that? You know, the information's all there and accessible. Well, it is on anything. It's on any of these freaking social medias, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, don't think for a minute our own government's not spying on us, but oh, I'll take the I'll take the devil I know and the one I don't. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But all China does is they just take something and they copy it, you know? <laughs> and then they, they sell very it good. and sell it back to us. Yeah, so they they don't they're not really great with coming up with things, but they're really good at copying stuff. Oh, they're they're and copying it, you know, but not as good. They're not, they don't make it as good usually, but they make a damn good look alike. Mm-hmm. Or was it was it you Just and me talking about that? Good. It was me and you talking about that about all the the uh, thieves that are at Shot Show that go around taking the pictures and. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, taking those like they bring like macro lenses and take like yeah. fine pictures of the detail and yeah, and then ne- the next day it'll be on Amazon or something for sale. <laughs> the very next well, day. Well, not only not only that, but any company that has any resource in China or does any manufacturing, 
that technology is is open to them to use. So they basically have to sign that away for the most part, and China gets to make a copy of it. That's why you see like yeah the same thing here that's you know branded U.S. and it's a different one here and it's from China. That's why from China. It's from China. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, that dude. <laughs> so, uh, Leadheads, if you didn't get a chance, make sure you go back to our previous episodes. This one, you'll probably listen to it. It's going to be uh, after Christmas sometime, and you're probably just days away from missing our 10-year celebration giveaway where we've got close to $10,000 in prizes. So if you haven't done that yet and you're listening to this and it's not the end of December, you still got a chance. So you're telling me there's a chance. Uh, go to you're my website. Me there's a chance. That's right. Go to my website. There's links there. I put links on the social meds. Um, got a lot of companies taking part in that, helping us celebrate our 10 years. Uh, like I said, over $10,000 in, in prizes. We've got four firearms up. We've got a AP5 from Century Arms. We've got a Tavor from IWI. We have a Keltec Sub-2000. A uh, very limited edition sub two thousand. It's tan Cerakote with, uh, it's got the multi mag adapter, so you can use uh, different manufacturers' magazines in that. Uh, and then Henry Rifles, we've got an AR seven, one of those survival twenty two breakdowns. Have you seen those? Those things are pretty cool. Uh, so lots of other prizes too. Crimson Trace has uh, jumped in. Primary Arms lockdown. Um, Seal One, Mission First Tactical, um, Kraken Cases. Uh, are you familiar? Did you see the Kraken case at the event that we went to that Tom had? Oh, yeah. No, I definitely saw it. That was very cool. Yeah, that little that foam that they've got in those cases. We've got five of those in this giveaway that we're, that we're giving away. And I'm forgetting somebody. Seal One, I think I said Seal One. Mission First, oh, ASP. Um, ASP. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a nice, like, almost $300 flashlight and um, safety kit that's included in that. Uh, so check it out. Lots of good stuff. Time is running out. Tick, tick, tick. <laughs> man, I'm going to have to go get entered on that. That's a better giveaway than I did for my 100000 There you go, man. Jeff in. Well, we're 10 years. <laughs> you know, 10 years is kind of a, a milestone, too. So, yeah, it is. Uh, we're kind of proud of that, and we wanted to give back to our listeners and our listeners know that we, we give back pretty much every episode. So as long as you're participating, listening, you're going to win. That's how it works here. I don't contact my winners either, Mike. They have to listen to know that they won. So that's a stipulation. Yeah, I post up. So when I do it, just so I can verify their username, I announce the winners in a post, and then they have to go and respond with a code that I leave in a ah. comment that way i know it's their username because people try to scam you on youtube all the time with like text this number you've won and it's the username is a phone number i'm like don't fall for that <laughs> sucker yeah so you yeah you reached a milestone with your youtube channel we want to talk about that um and we're going to talk more about tactical considerations learn more about mike um and his YouTube channel and other things he's got going on in his life. But first, Mike, we do this thing. It's called the Planes and Trains segment. And we got to take care of some jack wagons and honor some heroes. So, Gunny, bring that train in. 
Hoorah, Semper Fi, do or die, hold them high at 8th and I. It is time for the talking lead jack wagon of the week, so brace yourself, baby. <laughs> cool. <laughs> he was he was solid, man. Yeah, jack wagon. I love oh, that. Yeah, yeah, that's where we got it. That's awesome. All right, the yeah, train has, has stationed, and uh, I know we've got a couple of jack wagons from you leadheads that we've got to take care of, but I like to always start with my guest, Mike, and you may or may not be prepared for the jack wagon train and, and lead force one heroes, but you got anybody you want to call out as being stupid or, or doing stupid things or just being a jack wagon. And it could be a thing too. Maybe it's a thing. It doesn't have to be a person. Uh, not that I want to get political, <laughs> but everybody in that hearing the other day that was talking about, you know, submitting charges to the Department oh. of Justice on Trump. What a complete shit show that's been. What a complete waste of taxpayers' money and time that they're putting into going after Trump, just trying to make sure that he doesn't run for president again. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, but, it's a blatant, obvious tactic what they're doing, but yet people are still letting them get away with that bullshit. Yep, and that's as political as I'm going to get, because they're wasting my money. <laughs> it's a waste of my damn money. You it's know that wasting my money, and messing with my money is like messing with my emotions. I had um, Carrie with We the Women and the, the guys from... We the Female. We the Female. I said We the Women. We the Female. Don't say that. Don't say that wrong. She'll get you. <laughs> She's a good one for that. Um, yeah. Also, Stiletto and Shotguns is, is what she yep. does. Uh, and the guys from Gun Owners of America, we had them had uh, Jordan on, and yeah. you know the topic of the show was hardening schools, and you know the different different things that we could do to do that. And this waste of money that you just pointed out could be better spent going towards protecting our our schools, our education systems. Hundred percent. So that was that was a good one. Uh, let's see. So I've got, I know I've got a lead head that did one here, sent it in via Facebook. And I told you a million times, leadheads, don't send me shit on Facebook because I never check Facebook. You got to email me your Jack Wagon nominations, talkingletgmail.com. If, or if you got heroes, we like, we, we'd rather get heroes than Jack Wagons, but Jack Wagons are so easy. They're such easy targets. Uh, let's see. So I'm going to Facebook, and I don't even—I haven't been on Facebook in so long. I don't even know how it works. Oh, dude, the new interface when they went to Meta with all the different like business suite things, and then that, like none of my messages on Facebook work right. It's just—it's a train wreck right now, dude. <laughs> uh, I know I saw one. I think it was from uh, Ed Burton, Leadhead Ed, and I'm trying to find it here. Uh, this is why I tell you not to send me shit on Facebook. You know better. It's like buried in the messages somewhere now. <laughs> uh, oh, this brings up a thing, too. You guys were asking me about my giant dump tray, and I talked about it on the, the AK corner, um, but that wasn't that wasn't real. It was an optical illusion. That dump tray was not big enough to park your, your car on. It was actually... Uh, Ed Burton made the post, and it was a... Here, I'll show it to you. You probably didn't see this. 
I can share my screen. So he's got this AK-47 uh, next to the dump tray, and you could you could actually fit the AK into this dump tray. Well, that AK is one of those those toy AKs, that company that makes the realistic guns. Yeah, ATI or something. Or, something yeah. like that. I can't remember uh, yeah. what it's called. But it was a really good photo because I was like, holy shit, <laughs> where did he get that tray? Uh but no, that's not one of our dump trays. Uh, or it is one of our dump trays, but it's just the normal size ones. It's just a small gun. Uh, we give our listeners these dump trays that Mission First Tactical makes, Mike. Uh, oh, as, yeah, those, those dump trays. Those, we got one of those. Yeah, those were nice. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we kind of kind of started that with Mission First Tactical, and it's it's kind of been a thing. So, And you can get all kinds of cool logos and things put on there. But, uh, Ed, if you sent me a jack wagon... I'm not finding it. So, my bad. My bad, fellas. Yeah, we the I got we the female right there. So yeah, we the female. <laughs> so, what about what about a hero? You got any heroes? Got anybody you'd like to uh, give some recognition to that that wouldn't normally get it in the the biased media that deserves it? the bias media yeah <laughs> uh, it's been so long since i've actually watched the news man um you know honestly dude just uh people that are just doing good by other people i mean not like a specific person but you know if you go out and do one nice person for somebody or help somebody out there mm-hmm. you know you you may not change the world with one act but you can change somebody's world right like what's that thing is just, it called paying it forward yeah, random like acts of um, kindness kind of deal. Hundred um, percent. You know, whether you're helping somebody on the range or doing something, you know, I think there's you know people that you know do heroic things and military guys and all that out there. You know, they get a lot of notoriety for that as they should. But I think just any good person out there doing something good for somebody, those are the people that ultimately make the world not suck. So yeah, I want to give a shout to the good people in the world. Yeah, just go out, go out today, and just do a random act of kindness. You know, whether it's just opening a door for somebody. You know, something as small as that can can make a world of difference for somebody's day. You'd be surprised how many people don't open or hold open doors for people anymore. Oh my gosh! All right, so I got a jack wagon. <laughs> that just made me think. So um, we took my mom out for her birthday um, this week. She's like 82, 81. Hmm. I don't want to overage her. She'll kick, kick my ass. But, uh, I mean, you think she was 50. But anyway, we took her out for her birthday to this uh, really, you know, it was a really nice restaurant. Uh, it's called Mauricio's, an Italian restaurant um, in a town where she lives nearby. And, uh, you know, you have to make reservations and all this. And uh, we're sitting at the table. And, I mean, I don't know how how people are raised these days. But when I was raised, you know, you always take the, the female's order first. You know, yeah. You, you, ladies first, you know, kind of deal. So, you know, we get this waiter. He's probably in his 20s. I don't know. Really nice dude. I mean, he wasn't impolite or anything like that. And I think it's just more ignorance than anything. Um, but he uh, started taking orders. And he went to my, my older brother first cause he was sitting the closest and he was just going to go around the you know table like that and take orders. And, uh, 
and my brother looked at him. He goes, uh, no, go ahead and take, you know, the birthday girl's order first, please. You know, he was just trying to be polite. So he went to her. Um, he said, okay, so what would you like? Mom ordered. Uh, and then he went to, went back to my brother and there's three other ladies sitting there. And I said, you know, if you don't mind, please take the ladies orders first. Right. Uh, and he's like, oh, well, well, I get dudes that get mad when I, when I don't ask them their order first. I'm like, I, I highly doubt that. And I highly doubt they're from the South. If, if it's, you know, people that you're waiting on, because and that's just kind of how we do it here in the South. It's ladies first. And, uh, I just thought, I just thought that was as a waiter. I mean, come on. I mean, your, your tips, your livelihood depend on, mm-hmm. on that. But anyway, I thought that was kind of a jack wagon move for him. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, people don't know, and we haven't raised men in quite some time, it, for it, the most part, right? It is a dying art. It certainly yeah. is. Um, but our leadheads know, and they're not, you know, they're kids, they're raising their kids, right? We get all kinds of posts from our leadheads about how they're uh, raising their kids, right? We even had one that submitted, I can't remember... Uh, which leadhead it was, but they were out at the range and this guy had taken his friend and his daughter um, and my friend's son, he was probably like three or four, I don't know. I mean, he was old enough to talk and I don't have kids, so I don't <laughs> I don't know kids' yeah. ages, you know. Uh, but anyway, so the dude was showing his, his daughter how to shoot and uh, the kid was behind him. He's like, hey, the safety's off. He's like, hey, your safety's off. He's like, hey, keep your finger off the trigger. Your safety's off. <laughs> and he just kept getting on the, the dad that was teaching the the daughter. And uh, I thought that was good. I was like, you taught your son right. Very good. Yeah. No, it's good. You know, the, the toxicity, the toxic manhood is, you know, kind of a, it's a negative thing these days. But we need to keep it going. Got to keep that toxicity going. Male toxicity. Yeah. They don't like it until they need it. <laughs> right. Uh, so I apologize. We ever sent the uh, the jack wagon in. I was looking for. I don't see anything in emails, and I don't see it uh, on the Facebook. So wherever you posted it, maybe it was Instagram. I'll give you one chance on Instagram. If I don't see you on Instagram, then we'll move on. Messages. Well, because your Instagram messages show up in Facebook Meta. <clears throat> well, maybe that's what it was. Uh, no, no, okay, that's it. If you have Leadhead Brigade, uh, or if you have Jack Wagons or Leadhead Brigade heroes to nominate, talkingled at gmail.com, email those to me and put it in the, uh, the, uh, the subject there and we'll get those. So that was a light Jack Wagon train this week. I wasn't really prepared for it. I just recorded last night too, so uh, oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't get a chance to reload for today. Oh, uh, that's my bad. Christmas and all, you know, this time of year, jingle bells, jingle bells. It's it's a hectic time of year. So yeah, it is. so we kind of talked a little bit um, in the beginning there when we were talking, and you know we got Christmas coming up, and you've got some plans. You're just going to do do stuff around the the house there, and. I guess you got family that are nearby, so you don't have to travel quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Most of my family's here in Arizona, like within about 20 minutes, 30 minutes of me. Are you in the the hotter part of Arizona, or are you up in those mountains 
you know, where we did the... I'm in Phoenix area, blazing hot. Okay. So you didn't, you didn't have to travel too far for that little training thing that we did with lockdown. Uh, it's about, I think about an hour and a hour and 45, two hours, something like that to where that is. Yeah. So you didn't have to travel very far at all. Holy shit. Okay. We drove up. Yeah. Okay. See, I was preparing for, for the Phoenix weather. So everything I packed was short sleeves and, you know, light, breathable. And then it snowed. <laughs> yeah. And then I found like, oh, shit, we're going up in the mountains. Okay. And that was my bad yeah. for not, I mean, all I had to do was look up gun site and see where their, their address was. And I was just going by whatever. Funny, like, yeah. Young girl Jen was out there with the shotgun on the, the Smith & Wesson shotgun day. And she's bundled up in this thing and there's like snow all over. And I'm like, how do you feel? I think it's Arizona. Welcome. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I think a lot of us were unprepared for that. Um, yeah, everybody did the Walmart run to get like snivel gear. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was lucky enough. I brought my uh, my Cryptek jacket, um, which I think you. Yeah, that was a. You were that was a nice jacket. You were that was a nice jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was a good time. So that's where Mike and I met was at the and you guys heard me talk about it we had uh brian steer on and uh and when we re- released the uh, info on the secure walls that are behind me for our video audience back here can you see my walls back there yeah no i'm taking a look at it man mine's coming in pretty soon so so um we had brian on we were talking about the gun site three gun training event uh that i was going to and i had no idea who was going to be there uh, other than plinkster I knew that he was going to be there. Um, but that's where Mike and I got to meet, and it was a really good event. I thought that the the team there at Lockdown and uh, American Outdoor Brands did a really good job putting that together, and uh, it's probably one of the, the better events that I've ever been to as far as a range kind of, you know, type event. Yeah, no, that was, that's a, that was one of the best events I've been to, too. And then I know some of the guys that teach up there, so it's kind of cool to – Oh, did you know some of those fellas? Go back up there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've worked with a couple of them before. That was my first time being at, at Gunsight. It's a real impressive compound they got there. Nice it's a big setup. facility. It is big. It's a lot bigger than I was expecting. Yeah. You didn't get to see all the long-range places they got either. So. And that's what I wanted to do. Is I wanted to do more of that than yeah. the the target stuff that we were doing. But it was fun. I enjoyed it. I had a good time. Uh, the, uh, the Crimson Trace Optics that they had, the LPVOs, they had on those uh, the Saints. Uh, I was really impressed with those. I just got a one to ten in uh, here. I had the one to six uh, is the one that they gave me on the AR. And then I just built a three hundred eight. Yeah. And uh, I wanted a one to ten for it, so I got the the Crimson Trace one to ten LPV. Yeah, that's the new the new thirty four millimeter tube. So yeah. Yeah, the thirty-four millimeters, just like the ones that they had at the at the event. Some some people got one to six, some people got one to eight, some people got the one to ten. Um, which the one to I think I got the one to six is perfect for the AR. It works yeah. perfect on that. That little um, shooting competition that they had us do the running gun um, mm-hmm. with the target. I think maybe four hundred or five hundred. I don't remember how far the furthest target was, but. Uh, I mean, we were nailing it fine with the on the one to six. Yeah, and those weren't even like really zeroed too well either. It was <laughs> kind of like, hey, get close, and then we're going to start shooting. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of guesstimate, uh, but no, I'm I like, would, all right, I know. 
I nailed them all but one. I only missed one when I was running through that. So it was a good time. Yeah. But when I was building this uh, this 308, you know, I was thinking of an optic, and I didn't want a you know a, a really long range because this was more of a, a close range build, more of yeah. a close range uh, CQB kind of rifle. So uh, I thought the one to ten would be perfect for that. That way, if I did need to reach out a little bit further, you know, you got the ten on there. So I haven't taken it. Out. I just I just got the mount in yesterday. Um, okay, shipping, yeah. you know, is. <laughs> Is murder right now. So oh yeah, you got a bore cider, a laser cider. Oh, uh, you! I saw a video that you were talking about that. So that's something that I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, bore cider at night. At night. Do it at night. Turn on the uh, lighting on there on that mm-hmm. optic. Yeah. And you put that uh, like the Wheeler brand bore gauge on the end of the muzzle device, and just make sure it's real squared up. Uh huh. And you can get a hundred yard zero all day because. If you try to use that boresight laser during the day, the sun washes it out even on the reflective target because it's just so bright. And the lasers can only be a certain class because they're controlled, right? Yeah. So if you do that at night and you have a known 100-yard object, you can literally dial in that. You can dial in the reticle illumination center dot to the laser, and you're almost dead zero when you hit the range. Uh, what you said is a wheeler? Yeah. Wheeler so Wheeler's got a. Uh, look it up here. Uh, oh, you, it's in my bag. In you my have bag one? up over there. Go get it. But it's a. Let's it's see. A, uh, magnetic. Uh, grab my big race bag. So it fits on the end of your muzzle. And Let's check it out. The end of it is magnetic. Yeah, I had one that was like that oh that's a lot nicer than the one i had yeah so that's a magnet and it comes with this reflective target but if you throw this on your muzzle and you make sure that circular it's like perfectly around it Mm -hmm. then you turn that laser on and you can you can literally i've done it out to 200 yards you can get really close with this but 100 yards zero with this at night because it's green so you Mm -hmm. dial your red center dot right into the green laser as long as you're on the muzzle right yeah perfect you maybe maybe expend five rounds zeroing oh that's nice yeah it's awesome because the my new chassis build that i haven't even fired yet there's no way i'm spending four dollars and fifty cents every time i pull the trigger to be off paper right. when i start right <laughs> so so that'll work on multiple calibers in it doesn't really matter the it'll caliber. work on it'll work on anything you can magnetically put that thing on on the end of the muzzle work on a tank <laughs> Yeah. So unless you're using an aluminum muzzle device or something, yeah. Yeah. I'll have to get one of those. That look. Let's see. Let me share my screen here. So here it is, right here. The professional yeah, laser bore cider. Hold that's on. That's the one that I just did. Hold on. Let me bring my screen back up. Oh, okay. Look at so, that. Now what is that? Yeah. So it's a KRG Whiskey 3 chassis. Um, the action is based on a Remington 700, but it's actually my buddy, um, John Guy, that was a Ranger sniper. We were both in battalion. Um, him and Rock McMillan started that company right there, JJ Rock. And it's a 6.5 Creedmoor action that he designed and built. And they just sold it to Dylan Precision, actually. So I got his last action. And um, 
it's got a Criterion 6.5 Creedmoor barrel, and then I'll run it suppressed, so nice. it's got the dead air brake on it. Yeah. MDT grind pod, which is not my first choice, but hmm. tried it out. And then uh, just got a, I've got a Riton X7 Conquer on there right now. Right on. Kind of testing. I got yeah. several of those on the wall there. Which Yeah, this one right here, that X7, is a really nice piece of glass. What's the what's the magnification on it? That one's a four. Is it four to thirty five? The four to thirty five. Yeah, four to thirty two. Yeah, it's a I've lot got, of scope. I've got that one. <laughs> well, it's behind this thing. I've got a, a yeah. twenty inch uh, three hundred eight that I've got okay. set up with the the long range optic. There, yeah, I really liked it. I thought they uh, they did a good job. It, it's got the Christmas tree reticle. Yep, 100%, man. I've gone all mill. You know, I've gotten away from MOA, and I want all the same style of reticle so I can just do everything without having to turn the dials, you know? Yeah. I like the mill the mill dots. The 1 to 6 is a mill dot. This uh, 1 to 10 is a uh, MOA. Yeah, I gave away all my MOA stuff. You did? <laughs> you just, like, take it. I was tired of, like, Picking up something, be like, oh, that's the MOA one. I should have brought this one, you know. So I was just like, I'm just getting rid of it all. Yeah, it gave it away. I mean, that's smart. You know, standardize all your sh- your shit that way. You're like, oh fuck, I forgot that was the meal. Yeah, and there's so many different reticles now that it's hard to keep up. And I'm like, oh, I'm not a precision God. guy. I mean, I've done like thousand yard shots and stuff before because I had the world's best spotter. But it's something I want to get into much more. So testing all these different optics now, it's like. One, if you go from MOA to mill all the time, you kind of get confused in your head. You start thinking different math, right? Yeah. Inches and centimeters and all that different stuff. But then your holdovers are totally different. So if you're looking at the wrong reticle, you're like, wait a minute. I did. I literally did. I was like, oh, I did that in MOA. And I did it on a video um, on the Springfield 2020 Waypoint Rifle where I was running a Crimson Trace like Hardline Pro. Right, and I take I I know I know the distance to the target, but I'm doing everything in MOA in my head, and it's a mill reticle. He's doing it all and wrong. He, <laughs> yeah, and he is like, I'm pulling, I hit, 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 and I go to the further one, and all you hear him say is, "Where did that go?" <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, man. And then I was thinking about it. I was like, I think now I was like, I did that wrong. I was thinking inches and not centimeters. You're like, oh shit, it went way over. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that thing ate the ground probably five oh, feet eat? from that Usually piece of steel. <laughs> oh damn. Yeah, yeah that could I be was, a bad day. I was all messed up. So uh for our listeners who aren't familiar with tactical considerations, which I'm sure most of you are, um, he's got a YouTube channel and I'm gonna pull it up here for our video audience. Uh but it's just tactical considerations if you go search on the boob tubes and uh Am I at the right one? I'm at the right one, right? Yeah, that's me. Yeah, it's your page here. Why don't you put your logo up there, man? <laughs> um, I just haven't redone the banner thing. Like, the logo is in my photo, Down it's here. not in my, uh, like, overhead banner. For some reason, my logo is in your your thing. That happened when I looked at your channel the other day. That's something weird. I don't know why it did that. If some odd reason YouTube is not refreshing the banner logos, and it'll show your logo when you're looking at somebody else's thing. Let me refresh it. There, I refreshed it and now did it. Yeah, I had yeah. my logo on there. I was like, "Oh, thanks, man." 
Yeah. You just commandeered my channel. Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Chinese. <laughs> it's the Chinese at work. Um, but they you talk. you recently uh, busted a hundred thousand subscribers. You're uh, over you're almost at one hundred thirty, one hundred thirty thousand now. So congratulations, yeah. man. Yeah, no, thanks, man. It's it's growing really good right now. Now, how long have you been doing the the YouTube? Uh, I want to say that I actually reserved that channel name in like 2018. Yeah. So like three and a half, three maybe three, three and a half years, if that. Yeah, I mean that's phenomenal. Three and a half years, you're already like that. getting close to 150, 150,000. I mean, you'll you'll probably bust that by July next year. Probably hit 200,000. I'd say at least. Well, we'll see. It it uh, probably would have grown faster and better if I had not been such an El Cheapo and bought like better gear up front for camera and lighting, you know. But you don't know that when you start. You don't. You know, it's it's a unless you know somebody that's already in it that can give you tips and tricks, man, it's just, it's learning on your own. This don't work. This works. This, this is stupid. And you know, people giving you comments and feedback, that's how I did it. You know, yep. the past 10 years is just trial and error, man. Cause when I started, there was, you know, hard, there wasn't hardly anybody doing podcasts. It was, you know, back yeah. in the, the infancy of podcasting, YouTube was around and was, you know, it was, it was like at its peak, you know, kind of when we started of, of people getting into it. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's kind of for the gun industry anyway, it's kind of with all the bans and all the, you know, restrictions that they put on our industry. It's, it's hard for somebody to grow. And the fact that you've overcome that and, you know, you've reached this, this level, you know, it says a lot. Well, and I think it's just, part of it too is there's just so many good channels now because look at camera and audio equipment now as compared to 10 years ago i mean you can mm -hmm. go and buy i mean i've basically behind me here i've got a cinema camera that i could have never afforded 10 years ago but now it's 3500 bucks yeah exactly right? and you yeah. can do crazy stuff with it and it looks i mean amazing like i can film 4k i've got another camera that can film above 4k you know, now, are you doing all your stuff. own filming, or do you have a a photographer, videographer that that you work with? So, like ninety percent of everything I do, I do by myself. And then um, I have a good buddy, Mike Borden, who owns a company called After Action. So he's like a photographer for American Outdoor Brands, Athlon. Uh, he does a lot of work. CMMG. He's he's got contracts with a bunch of companies, and I help him with when he's overloaded with doing photography and videography, and then. If we're out on the range and I'm shooting video, he'll he'll help me out because he's running like primo gear, like Alpha One cameras, FX sixes, you know, like really high end stuff. Yeah, um, he's his obviously audio equipment's awesome. You know, that's his primary gig. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, he's got it's, a couple different drones, and it's pretty cool. Where you know, again, it's worth mentioning that you're doing this while having a full time job, career. Yeah. Uh, on top mm -hmm. of that. So the fact that, you know, you, you've been doing that and you've grown to, you know, like 130,000 with, you know, kind of doing this part-time, even though I know it's full-time, <laughs> that yeah. there's a lot of hours that go into it, especially with the, the quality of work that you're putting out with your, with your videos. So um, kudos to you on that too. Yeah, I, you know, I, 
never thought that I would be, one, making videos or know how to use cameras or video or anything, especially editing. But uh, it, it's time-consuming. Yeah, it is. It's a nightmare. Learning, and again, you know, you're talking about what works, what doesn't work, and that goes with the software, too, the editing, uh, mm-hmm. the, you know, behind-the-scenes kind of stuff, too. Is, I don't know how many different software packages I've tried out to, you know, for audio editing, video editing, cameras, yep. you, know, you know, all kinds of stuff. It's. I think I'm on my fifth camera. Are you? <laughs> yeah. Well, there'll be more. It's Christmas is coming up too. Maybe you'll get one for Christmas. Hey, no, because I just bought a brand new A7S three Sony. Oh, look at you go, baby! Yeah, that replaced my R6 Canon and my SL3 and my T7i and my GoPros. And did you get rid of those? You still have those? Um, I got rid of some of them. Um, the only cameras I'm going to keep is the A7S three and. I might keep the R6 just because the stabilization and body is like nothing else. Yeah. Um, like you can hold that camera and move and it's like it's on a gimbal, whereas the Sony's not quite as good. But uh, it's a different color profile, different photo style. So you got to be able to color grade to make it all look the same. So it's kind of a pain in the butt. Now, how did you learn your photography skills? Just trial and error? Or did you actually do a course? Or so, something? no, mostly trial and error. Um, my, my buddy, Mike did help me quite a bit, just kind of explaining things to me. But, uh, some of our ID techs at work also kind of showed me a little bit how to do it. But a lot of it was watching people on YouTube and just learning like the basics, because once you know, ISO aperture and shutter rate, that's, I mean, you just, now you just want to control what lighting you're in and what you want your video to look like. Do you want it blurry in the background or not? ISO aperture shutter speed, and that's really all you need to know. Once you play around with it, it's pretty easy to you know figure out from there on. It's the make it sound so easy. Little things. Well, <laughs> it, I mean, I know, but it's the little things that get you, like a hair light to separate you from the background. Things like that's where the pros get you because they know how to angle light. They know how to you know put colors over here and a different color over here. And yeah, that's what I don't get because I am not an artistic person. I'm like a rock ape that drags knuckles. So. Ooh, you're you're pretty artistic uh, nowadays. Looking at your videos and look at you right now, you got blue over here, you got orange over here uh, in your background. Not because I came up with it, only because I stole it. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, all I do is I just flip some lights on. I just got bright lights. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. I got like this light right here that's blinded me. Yeah, I've got like a little ring light in front of me right now. And... Do you really? Yeah. That's gay. <laughs> got to make it look good, dude. <laughs> Oh, your lighting does look good. I should probably get one of those those little ring lights. It just uh, like eh. it makes life so much easier, dude. I can imagine. I like I like making things tough. I like making things difficult. Apparently, that's the way I live. Oh, well, you know what John Wayne said: "Life's hard. It's even harder if you're stupid." <laughs> right? There's no cure for stupid. Yeah. So uh, you started this about three years ago the youtube what what possessed you to get get involved with this uh, and we haven't talked about your background yet and we're going to get into that but uh, yeah. it was a dare it was a dare. <laughs> that's, the, that's the best i got it was like a dare and a bet basically what uh um what was the downside of you doing uh, starting starting your own youtube channel the, the downside of it 
Because um, that's what dares so, usually are. It's like if somebody's daring you to do something, you know, you're going to get some kind of punishment from well, it. You know? Well, you, you make an ass out of yourself and you lose money. It was a steak dinner and a bottle of Jameson or something like Or no, it was a Glenfiddich or Glenlivet. It was one of those bottles. Um, and I can't, I'm trying to remember what it was. We were watching something and I'm like, oh, this is trash. Why are you watching this? <laughs> well, you couldn't do any better. I'm all, yeah, tell me I can't do something and watch how fast I do it, right? Yeah. And then you make a couple of videos and realize how stupid you sound and how bad your camera and audio is. And then you start to improve because you can't leave it on that note. Right. Yeah. So I, I take it, uh, you eventually got that bottle of Jameson. Uh, yes. Maybe not your first try, but, uh, <laughs> it's, it's come around now to the point where like my friends that was like, I don't know if, you know, I don't know about this. They're all like, Holy crap, man, because it's just like one, like, uh, it's crazy the things I can go out and do in real life, but you put a camera in front of me before I knew how to like sit there and talk to a camera. you just, you just sound like you don't speak English and you look like a wet fish or a deer in headlights, you know, in camera. So yeah. it's just weird. And the, once you kind of get over that, it's good to go. The, uhs and the ahs and the mmms and yeah. Learn, mm -hmm. learning how to or just get past all that verbal diarrhea where you make what should be an eight minute video and it takes you 30 because you're just bloviating about bullshit right and you do it all in one breath <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and you look orange because you don't know how to color grade so your skin's all orange it's so bad <laughs> well you've overcome you've adapted you've overcome and you know and that's got a lot to do with your background which you know we're gonna we're gonna get into that we're gonna talk a little bit about that, yeah. um, but the the YouTube channel. Congrats on the YouTube channel, the success. Are you doing anything outside of that? Are you doing? Um, are, do you do have a podcast? Do you do anything else like that? No, I don't. I don't do a podcast or anything. Um, I do help some companies with you know R and D and like early, early testing when they want me to break stuff. Yeah, um, I'm under NDAs for all that, so I can't discuss it. But uh, sure. Um, I do some of that and, you know, I write articles for some different things and that's, that's really it, man. It's, it probably could, well, it, it is technically kind of a full-time job. I could probably go full-time right now and be just fine, but just not quite ready to do that. We've got something coming up, life change, big life change for me and my life coming up in a couple of years. We're actually going to be moving to Tennessee. So we're kind of preparing for that. That's where I'm at, dude. I know. What part we is, talked about this. What part, tell me what part of Tennessee? So I'm in the Nashville area. Have, I'm in the middle Tennessee. Yeah. East, west, south. Northeast. So okay. I'm actually gonna have Johnny B from you know Johnny B, right? I don't. B. Okay. Uh Johnny B on YouTube. Uh awesome guy. He's one of the best dudes in the world that helped me out when I was new, really helped me out a lot. Cool. Yeah, no, so that's that's it. I, I found it. It looks good. It's what we want. It's kind of at the, the, it's on the Eastern side of the clinch between. And, uh, it's about 25 minutes. from. Okay. Yeah. I know what area you're talking about. So, yeah. It's beautiful up there, man. Yeah. I'm just glad you yeah. didn't say you're moving to West Tennessee. Yes. <laughs> no, I can't handle West Tennessee. No, no. Uh, Mississippi can have them. Miss yep. Mississippi can have Memphis as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but it's no, like that's Texarkana. That's cool, man. There's there's a lot, you know, and a lot of this this gun, you know, social media, YouTube gun stuff started in Tennessee. You, know, you look at all the yeah. the real popular gun channels like 
um, Hickok 45, you know, he's here in Tennessee. Yeah. Plinkster is here in, in Tennessee. Um, I don't know if you knew James Yeager or not, but, you know, Yeager, tactical response, is here in yeah. Tennessee. knew of him, didn't know him personally. But. Yeah. You know, he recently passed. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was this other gun blast, these guys, uh, gun blast. I think that guy passed away, too. Um, oh, yeah. He had a, a pretty big following on YouTube back in the day. Uh, I say back in the day, you know, <laughs> 10 right. years, like, you know, 10, 12 years ago is a, a super long time ago. It feels like it, it feels like it's 20 years ago. Uh, but yeah, man, you'll be in good company up here. Definitely. And you say Johnny B lives up here. Yeah. Johnny B is out there. In um, actually Steve from uh, Mr. Big Kid channel just moved to. And then, uh, the black diamond guns and gears are out there. Yeah. There you go. I there's mean, a bunch of guys out there's there. There's a lot. Yeah, and there's even more. Yeah. I mean, I just can't think of them right now, but there's even there's even more out this way. Um, but yeah, yeah. Hootie Who's out there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who Hootie Who is either. <laughs> oh, you got to look up Hootie Who and watch his video on bad taxidermy. It'll change your life. Hootie Who. Yeah, I'll do that. Hootie Who, man. He's awesome. If you ever get a chance to, to meet right Hootie now. Who, he's a freaking awesome guy. Where's my pen? Here it is. Like H O O T I E who? W H O Who T Who. W H O Hooty Who. Is he up there in his big old six foot five corn fed boy with an American flag shirt doing like a pose? That's him. (laughs) Nice. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I definitely need to meet that guy. Yeah. He's awesome, dude. You'd get along with him very well. Cool. Cool. Well, I'm excited, man. Yeah. You have to let me know when, uh, when when that happens and. We will do a welcoming committee for you. Yeah, hopefully about twenty-four months. So, welcome to the free state of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Arizona's not bad though, is it? Arizona's gone, man. Is it gone? You lost uh, it. Yeah, Arizona is an absolute train wreck right now, and it's—I don't think it's going to recover. Uh, plus, I'm just tired of wearing a bulletproof vest in a desert somewhere in this world. <laughs> Rob would tell you that failing to prepare is preparing to fail. He's not a prepper, but survival skills, personal preparedness, and self-sufficiency are important skill sets in his book. His firearm of choice, the Keltec RDB Survival, says a lot about him. This great compact bullpup rifle fits in a pack and tight spaces when he feels like bugging out. Unlike ordinary bullpups, the RDBS rifle redefines the concept of platform offering a traditional rifle grip, balance, crisp trigger, and an adjustable buttstock. The RDB Survival delivers 5.56223 ballistic performance in a compact package weighing 5 pounds 14 ounces. It has a patented downward ejection that allows for complete ambidextrous use with an intuitive safety and reversible charging handle. It's a get-you-there, never-let-you-down kind of rifle. Innovation. Performance. kel so let's let's do this. Um, because I want to I want our listeners to know about you know your background, you know, kind of kind of where you come from and, and whatnot. So I'm going to start the new guy questions. I usually do them towards the end of the show, but uh, we'll start them and just kind of pepper them in throughout the show. Uh, so the first question I ask is: Do you have any military law enforcement background? Absolutely not. Um, no, not enough that that no, thing hanging up at the Rangers. 
lead the way. <laughs> don't don't look at any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I went in the army, uh, basic infantry guy. I was actually scheduled to go be mechanized infantry and in basic training, but a uh, big old drill sergeant Charlie Connor plucked me and a couple other guys and were like, "Hey, you interested in going to do this?" I was like, "Yeah, that sounds really badass." I saw movies when I was a kid. Let's do that. Um. So I went to, at the time, what was called RIP, the Ranger Indoctrination Program. Uh, I graduated that, went to, uh, or went to Airborne School, then to RIP, and then I went off to 2nd Ranger Battalion up in Fort Lewis, Washington, now known as JBLM, Joint Base Lewis-McChord. Uh, served my time with 2nd Bat. Um, really cool experience, awesome. The only thing I miss is hanging out of helicopters, not falling out of planes with a parachute on. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, got to do some fun stuff, got to basically live every kid's dream of shooting machine guns and doing really cool stuff in the military. Uh, got out of that and uh, finished How many up years? college. How many years did you? What's that? How many years did you serve? I just, I just did one one enlistment with the battalions. So okay. um, towards the end, I had a parachute landing that wasn't so nice. It eventually cost me a back surgery. Yeah. Um, so I've had, yeah. So in 2006, I actually had L4, L5 surgery, um, to correct, uh, what was left of the disc in there, which was not much. So that pretty much ended, uh, ended any thought of doing anything else like that. I mean, you're um, a big, you're a big boy. So I mean, that's a lot of weight coming out of a, out of an airplane. Yeah. Yeah. I don't fall so good. <laughs> Were you like six, three? Yeah. Six, three. Yeah. Six, three, probably what? Two twenty five two forty. I was 265 when you saw me. You t- I trimmed down a little bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a lot of weight coming down on your back. Oh, yeah. I wasn't that big back then, though. I was a little yeah. skinny. I was a scrawny kid until I started competing in bodybuilding. Um, I was like 195, 200 pounds back then. No shit. Yeah, I was a skinny boy. Um, String bang. So, yeah, I got out. Uh, I finished up college, got a business management degree. I thought I was going to go. You know, you know, wear a suit, drive BMW, and do finance and asset management, and yeah, I did that for a couple of years, and I was like, man, this really sucks, um, <laughs> and uh, decided that uh, I didn't want to do that anymore, and I went and I actually got hired on with the police department out here, and I've been doing that for sixteen years. Wow, sixteen years. Well, like fifteen years and like eight months or something. So basically, sixteen years all round up. Yeah. And how much time you got to put in before you can retire? Um, you twenty is the minimum, but uh, you can like buy military years and retire early. So you basically pay a fee to the retirement system to buy your military service into it, yeah. and you can retire early if you want. So we might be doing that just to get out to Tennessee a little early. That's interesting. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, if you're coming in a couple of years, then that. Uh... Don't don't quit that soon. I mean, you're that close to to retiring, right. getting that pension, you know, kind of deal. Um, well, that's cool, man. So, uh, what is it that you do with the the PD there? So I'm actually a patrol supervisor. I'm a sergeant out there. So, sixteen years. I mean, you didn't you didn't start at them. You came in as a yeah basic patrol basic officer. patrol officer. Um, worked your way up. Yeah, so I've been a sergeant for. It'll be eight years in a couple months. Yeah. Well, thank you for your service from the military and 
for the the law enforcement, and I know our lead heads uh, appreciate that also. Um, talk about that. during your uh, your military service one one incident or you know something that really stands out as you know a memory that you really hold on to. Doesn't not necessarily a bad thing, but you know a, a good experience. Um, you know, it was pretty early on. Um, I can't say their last names cause some of them are still in and doing sure. different things, but, um, a guy named Ben, Bill and, uh, Eric, we were on a team and I'll never forget. We're riding in on helicopters and one of them just hits me, you know, we're hanging out of the door and he's like, Hey, look at that. And I just looked back cause we were in one of the lead birds and all you see is just a formation of Blackhawks, little birds, um, some other style of aircraft at the time, just kind of flying through this valley. And I was like, you know, that that's the kind of cool thing that I really wanted to do. Yeah. And that's just, that's just stuck with me. And I think that's probably why I, that's like one of the biggest things I miss every time I see a Blackhawk or something, I'm like, man, I just want one last ride hanging out of that door. Yeah. Well, you know, that's something that, uh, doing what you do, it opens up opportunities like that too that you know maybe you don't have the opportunity now but you know it'll present itself again i'm sure especially with your case it almost it almost did there was there was actually i was going to be able to get to do it but something just couldn't get that last approval so i didn't get to take that last ride and dump a few rounds out of an aerial it'll happen i see you i see you eventually getting involved with uh movies and film and tv Uh, yeah. I don't know if I can handle that. I don't know if Hollywood's right for me, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of the people that that do it that I know of, you know, it uh, and never thought they would do it either. But you know, they're doing it and having the time of their lives. Yeah, yeah. yeah very true. So, what about the your sixteen years uh, in law enforcement? Um, compare. I know you weren't in it as long, but uh, with the military, but compare the lifestyle of the military versus lifestyle of LE. Oh man. You know, it's, there's some similarities, but it's just so different. Yeah. Um, because you know, everything you do, you know, in, in the military is you pretty much have one objective, right. And that is to win whatever battle you're in where, you know, using whatever tactics or equipment's available at the time where law enforcement is different because, you are dealing with your own citizens, right? You're dealing with the constitution and you've got to make sure that while enforcing laws, you're also protecting those people's rights. So it's very, very different, um, the job type and, you know, some, there's some muddying of certain things between the two, like, you know, the, you know, the uniforms, rank structures, um, academies, things like that, where it's like kind of a paramilitary style thing, but yeah, in all reality, they're so different besides some of the tactics that you would do on like a SWAT team or something like that, um, that it's just not really the same. And then there's like a different, uh, um, God, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, it, like it's a different style of camaraderie, I guess you could say. Different mentality, maybe, would you say? Is there? Yeah, 100%. The, yeah. And that kind of sets the camaraderie, I would think that kind of sets the camaraderie maybe different because... With the military, you know, you, your life, and I know it, it's that way with the law enforcement too, but not as much, I, I would say. Yeah. Your life depends on your team 
your buddy, the person right next yeah. to you. Like for all those dudes that were deployed for all those years, like every single day for years on end, you are like, you are going into objective after objective day after day. Yeah. You know, that's all those guys that were deployed. I mean, I know guys eight, nine, 10 deployments, things like that. It's like, Jesus, dude, like, <laughs> you know, you're like, man, that's a lot of time out. And, um, yeah. it's just different. Yeah. Cause it's situations and scenarios come up, but it's not like being deployed in a combat zone. If you talk to anybody that's ever talked, done that stuff, it's like every day the grind, and it's like firefights that go on all day, stuff like that. It's yeah. not anywhere near what you deal with in law enforcement. Yeah, where you're on these deployments, you're not going home to your family every night. Where versus the you know the LE, they're you know they got a family to go most of them, and I know that the LE is one of the highest you know divorce rates and you know whatnot and mm-hmm. careers that there that there are, but. I mean, for the most part, yeah. you know, so they don't have that that amount of time, you know, to hang together and be together and, and really bond, I guess. But there's still, there's still, like you said, it's different. It's a different kind of bonding, different kind of camaraderie. Yeah, and that's, I mean, part of it is... is not that it's any less. Yeah, not that it's any less. It's just different. Yeah, because you're, when you're in the military, especially if you're deployed or even if you're just doing a training thing somewhere for a couple of months, like you're that is your family and you're with them nonstop. Whereas, you know, I, unless I'm going somewhere for training, I get to go home to my wife every night and yeah. have a warm meal and food and water and comfort and a shower where in the military, if you're deployed for eight, nine, 10, 12 months or longer, you just don't see your family. Yeah. Um, so your platoon members, your team members become sometimes even closer to you than your family. Cause your family doesn't understand what you're going through sometimes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, that's a lot of a lot of people I know have kind of explained it to me that way when they spent a lot of time overseas. It was just that was their family, um, and that you know that's just mentally what happens when you start to rely on people like you would your family members. Yeah. Well, more so when you're in those situations because your life you know depends on it. Yeah, hundred percent. And your goal is to get back to your family. You know, so yep. putting a lot of trust in those people. Um, so 16 years with the LE, um, is it, I don't know how to say this. I'm not going to say it. Never mind. <laughs> I'll just skip that part. Right. Let's go to the next question. So, uh, both military and LE, that's, that's good. Uh, what is your earliest recollection of being exposed to a firearm? Um, my dad's. 22 revolver with like bone handles and i was probably four or five the first time i saw it and got to hold it yeah when when did he let you shoot it uh funny story i have never once fired that thing (laughs) not (laughs) it's no that i never fired that it's he still got it sitting in a cowboy belt that probably has 55 60 year old ammo in the little sleeves you know yeah (laughs) <laughs> and I don't, I've never saw him fire it either. Uh, the first gun I actually fired was a chrome pearl handled 32 ACP that was my grandmother's. Oh, shit. Yeah. And <laughs> I think, I, if I recall right, I think my grandfather actually shot a guy at a truck stop with that gun. Oh, yeah. So it's got a little history behind it. Yeah. I think when I was, when I was very young, I think my grandfather, who's a truck driver, yeah. somebody tried to rob him and I think he took a round and I think he shot the guy with that 32 ACP. Oh, shit. Did he kill him? 
I'd have to verify that. I don't yeah. remember. And my, my grandmother and my grandfather are both gone. Uh-huh. And I, I was, I was so young when it happened, but I remember, I think he took around like up into the arm or something. Um, but my grandfather, absolute beast of a man. Yeah. Um, he was an animal. Yeah. Do, uh, do you still have that? Is that still in the family that, that revolver? Well, the revolver that my dad has, yes. The 32 ACP, the 32 ACP. that was my grandmother's. It's probably with my aunt somewhere. Yeah. Um, that would be good if you could yeah, get that back from your from your aunt, and since it was the first one you ever shot, that was yeah, I shot it up That'd at a cool. campsite in northern Arizona. Missed everything I aimed at. Did your grandma? Is she the one that was with you when you shot it? No, my grandfather took it from her and took us out into the <laughs> woods because we wouldn't let him leave him alone unless he took a shooting. Oh, nice! You just pestered him, pestered him into it. Nice. Yep. <laughs> There's some story about my grandfather. Uh, on my mom's side, that uh, he was in some sort of a shooting. I think he killed somebody too at some point in time. But it's one yeah. of those things. You know, like your family didn't talk about it, you know, kind of deal. Yeah, but, right. Yeah, let's but, just not talk about that part. Yeah, but he was a you know World War Two veteran. Uh, you know. Oh yeah, one of the greatest generation. Yeah, that was guys. such a different generation, man. How do we go from that to where we're at now? Dudes wearing yellow pants. It's uh, it's our fault, man. It's our fault. Oh. It's our fault for not having kids. Me and you, you know, we're the problem. I got, married too, I got married too late in life, dude. I didn't get married until it'll be five years in April. But you know, I was deep in my thirties before I met my wife. So yeah, well, that's not too late. That's not too late. I was twenty. I was twenty eight. I think when I got married, my first. Yeah, my wife. My wife's a little younger than me, though. My first and only. Mine was like eleven years older than me. Really, <laughs> I went, I went oh, the opposite, you, man. opposite direction. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we're no longer married. You know, that was that was a right. long time. It was decades ago. Decades, Life happens, man. It does. It does, and it's not for everybody. But again, you know, people with our values and our morals, we should at least be, you know, being a mentor for these kids. You mm-hmm. know, going out even we don't yeah. have kids ourselves. You know, being a mentor, and you know, I try to with my uh nieces and nephews and you know to the extent that i can but uh yeah and my friends kids i love pestering my friends kids and filling their heads full of ideas oh yeah (laughs) to take back to their uh their mom and dad they they absolutely hate me for that but oh well (laughs) so um that 32 acp cool what was the first firearm that uh you could call your own that you that you Uh, bought yourself oh god oh i knew you were gonna ask me that this might fall Um, into our second category too which is you know is there or has there ever been a firearm or piece of kit that you're ashamed to admit to owning (laughs) that might fall into that category absolutely but the first the first gun i ever personally bought was a chrome desert eagle 50 cal (laughs) are you serious you went balls to the wall son (laughs) Oh my god. So gosh. I was still I was I was still in the Rangers and one of our guys, Doc Pope, had bought the new H and K USP Tactical forty five. It was like the hottest thing going. Yeah. And I was like, Yeah, okay, that's cool. And then I went down to the store like two weeks later and I was like, Oh man, that thing's huge. I'll take that. <laughs> so <laughs> fifty cal, I'll take that. <laughs> I yeah, I'll take that. Big fifty deagle, baby. Oh my god. And they were I mean, they I don't know if they've come down yet or not, but they were you know, expensive back in the day. 
I paid eleven hundred dollars for that gun in two thousand and one, I think. And that and that's when I was still in the military. I took every penny I had to buy that gun. Yeah, that was like your whole paycheck to pay for that son of a bitch. Yeah, I didn't have a car, I had nothing, but I had me a chrome. <laughs> he had a Deagle, Deagle, baby. baby. <laughs> Check it out. Did you carry it? Buck seventy five every time you pulled the trigger. <laughs> oh my gosh. Not to mention the you know, the equipment and everything. Holster. Did you have a holster and all that? Were you carrying it? Yeah. Or was it just a showpiece? No, I had a holster for it. I had a, uh, um, I don't remember if it was Bianchi or something, but it was like a shoulder strapped in, inside <laughs> this because that was the only holster you could find for it. I think it's called a jackass rig because you're a jackass for wearing it, but that Call is the piece of kit the that Don I Johnson buying. The Don Johnson yeah, rig. Miami Vice. 100%. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't like the full angled one. It was straight up and down because the thing was this long. Oh, yeah. So it was like a shoulder strap, and then the holster at the bottom clipped into your belt so it wasn't like flying all over. <laughs> but, yeah, so that gun and that holster that went with it is my first gun and the worst piece of equipment that I was embarrassed, and I've never told anybody about that I ever purchased. That's it. Nice. I dig it. Do you still own it? No. So um, I had to sell the Deagle. Um, several, I mean, years ago now, uh, because I was a poor broke college kid and I literally couldn't pay my rent. So I had to liquidate most of my guns and that was one that was most valuable at the time. So I had to sell it. Yeah. Uh, if I could ever find it again, because it was the original, it was before Magnum research had made all the changes to it. Mm -hmm. So it's like the old school one. Um, and I still have the serial number. If I could ever find that one again, I would buy it. I didn't care what the cost was. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta try to track it down. Yeah. Someday you, maybe, you know, people, <laughs> you can get that done. Right. <laughs> Deagle. Oh my gosh. Were you jabbing yourself in the nuts, even shoulder carrying it when you'd sit down? <laughs> no, because it was off to the side. So it was there, but yeah, stupid. Oh um, and then, gosh. I don't know if that was the worst or the gun I bought next was the worst. Oh, what was the next one? So the second gun I bought, and it was because I got it for 270 bucks at the time, was a uh, Smith & Wesson SDV-40 that was gray. Oh, yeah. I remember those. I yeah. was, Dude, that was actually when I was looking for my first handgun to buy, I was seriously considering those. And I was on my way to... Uh, Academy Sports, yep. to because they were running a smoking deal on them. Uh, and I was like, "Ooh, I'm gonna get one! I'm gonna get one!" And and I on the way there was a gun. There was like a, a gun range, gun store on the way to Academy. I was like, "I'm gonna just gonna stop in here just for a second because I had a buddy that was working there. And I was telling him, "I was like, hey, dude, I'm gonna go get this." He goes, "He goes, man, you're gonna regret it. Don't do it. Don't do it, man." And they had, you know, some rental guns and they had a Glock and they had, you know, those. So I took them yeah. out and I got to shoot them that, you know, versus the Glock. And I'm like, oh, dude, you're right. You're so right. So I, you know, spent an extra hundred bucks and, and got the Glock. Yep. Well, so, but think about this too. When I bought that in the early 2000s, the ban was still on. So I paid 270 bucks for the gun. And then I paid $80 for three magazines that were over 10 rounds. Oh, a shit. A piece. $80 a piece. Oh, shit. That's in 2001 or 2002, something like that, I think, when I bought that. Yeah. 
up in Washington. In fact, the place, I think it was called Leeds in Washington and Tacoma or something. It was like an old bank that was converted to a gun shop. I think it's still there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's things that people don't think about, you know, after they buy their gun too, is got to get those mags and thank God for Magpul, you know, for coming in and, in making compatible cheap magazines for some of these guns. Otherwise, you know. Well, it was it was the ban because remember the that was still under that assault weapons ban. So once that lifted, those mags weren't worth ten bucks. Yeah. How old are you? But what's that? How old are you? That's an awfully personal question. I know. <laughs> I know. No, I'm forty three. Okay, so I'm I'm fifty one. So yeah. and I I don't think I bought my first handgun until it was about. 2009 is when I bought my first. Oh, wow. 2009, 2000. Yeah. I got in this, I got in this, I mean, I always had guns, you know, rifles and, you know, stuff like that mm-hmm. growing up, but I never had a handgun because, because of that ban, you know, I always grew up with, you know, there's this ban and it's bad and it's expensive and yeah. that's the way I was raised. And, um, when I found out, I was like, oh, I can actually own a handgun now. I was like, yep. for real? And that's when I started getting more involved with my Second Amendment rights. And, you know, it's like, I never knew that. I was like, I just haven't been yeah. paying attention to life. And, you know, that's when I got more involved with it. And then, like, two, three years later, that's when I started this podcast. And it's like, more people should be educated about what's actually going on and what their rights are. And, you know, yep. all There's that. nothing like the federal government crapping on your constitutional rights for a ban or a rule or law that did effectively zero per their own study to affect crime at all. It did the opposite. It yeah. actually increased. What happens when they make stuff illegal? You get more criminals that go into the business of selling the stuff because people want it. And yeah, but the, the assault weapons ban effectively had no effect on crime. No, it had zero like I said, it didn't make any positive influence on it at all. It did effectively nothing. It positively was, increased it, is what it did. It positively increased crime. Yeah, it's just <laughs> such a that's stupid what the assault thing. weapons. I can't, I can't believe they ever got it through. Well, I mean, they're they're and they continue to keep trying. Continue. Well, because you know that was just the latest test of the waters. Remember. You know, back in the days, and I'll call them fuds because that's what they are. The you don't need a shot, y'all. You need a shotgun and blah blah blah. You know those yeah. people. Yeah. The ones that ceded away our rights for the NFA, the GCA, uh, the auto weapons ban, all these things that that you know the boomers just allowed to be taken away. You know, I remember going into a store with my father, and he could have cleaned out the entire full auto selection, but didn't because thought ah nobody wants that crap, and then they banned them. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you just you just lost a million dollars because of everything on the wall you could have bought, but it effectively did nothing. Like nobody, I mean, there weren't any issues back then. It's not, but that's not the 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 narrative that they spin, you know. And that's that's why it's so important for people like us to to tell people and you know get the this is actually what's happening and what's going on, and these are actually your rights, and this is what you can do, and. You know, what they're telling you is bullshit. And it's just like you said, you know, and it, and it just happened under Trump, too, with the, the bump stock. Yeah, that was another retarded thing. Like it was completely if you want to if you want to go after what's killing people, go after the spoon and the fork. Right. Yeah. Uh, because food is killing more people. Go after the social media. That's what you know, that's killing more people than than guns, too. 
Yeah. But anyway, um, let's let's continue with the questions. So, the the did you get the forty? Did you get the Smith and Wesson? Oh yeah, I got it. I had it for years and sold it to a guy. I don't know, probably four or five years after it when I started realizing that that thing really sucked. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a 40 cal. You you, you went oh, with a yeah. 40 cal. I did too. I went with the 40. That was my I got the Glock 23 was my first my hand my first I think I got it. Is it over there? No, I had it hanging so on the wall over there. But yeah, I still I had it. with 40 cal cuz I wanted 40. I went with it because that that was actually a law enforcement trade-in gun that I bought. So it came with some of the high-capacity magazines that were illegal at the time. But since it was pre-ban, yeah, that's why it was a two hundred seventy-dollar gun and not an eighty-five-dollar gun, which is what it should have been at the time. Yeah, and it was just in forty cal. Otherwise, I would have never bought a forty cal because we all saw how forty cal worked out. I was in Nobody love with forty cal for the longest, man. I loved the forty nah. cal. Uh, I knew that round was a dead one right as they started carrying it. I was yeah. like, yeah, this will last about eight or nine years. <laughs> but you heard a story on how that came came about, though, right? Through the, was it the FBI? Uh, yeah, and that the bank FBI robbery. The bank robbery. FBI went with it. it was, I think it was that Miami shootout that they had. Yeah, the guy where they were using nine millimeters and the guys, a couple FBI agents got killed. And, and they were using the 40s. Um, they're like, we need a bigger round, so let's, you know, let's let's come out with the four. Let's start using the forty, and that's when all the, the law enforcement started going to forty. So I think the one guy that they shot up towards the rear of that car that took all the nine millimeter rounds and kept fighting, I think he was an ex ranger. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah, somebody told me that at, uh, when they did a breakdown of that study. I actually got to go to the FBI ballistic study lab one time when I was in an instructor course. Here it is, the nineteen eighty six. Uh, FBI yeah. Miami shootout, April 11th, 1986. Um, and we've, I've done this story on the show, uh, several years ago, but, um, so finish, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead and finish the, what you're Oh saying. no, that was it. That, uh, I, I just got to go to a ballistics lab and study that were, uh, was put on by the actual, some of the ballistics guys from that headquarters. I was in a firearms instructor course with the DEA. And I got to do that, and they went over that whole scenario, and they talked about everything, and they asked that question. Hey, are you Ranger? I was like, yeah, there was a couple of us, um, ex, ex-bat guys in there. And, yeah, this dude was – I was like, eh, well, that's not a good look. Yeah. Uh, Michael Lee Platt and William Russell Maddox met while serving in the U.S. Army at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Yeah. But, I mean, that's what happens when you put capable guys – you know. In that situation, I was seeing if it had the. Uh, yeah, here it is right here. In the aftermath, the FBI initially chose Smith and Wesson 1076 chambered for the 10 millimeter, uh, but it it sharp recoiled. Coil proved too much for the agents to control, uh, and special uh, reduced velocity loading was. Developed commonly referred to as 10 million light, blah, 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 blah. But then they eventually went with the 40 Smith & Wesson. So. Yeah, 9 millimeter just hadn't ballistically gotten to where it is today. No, and that, you know, that's the thing. It's 
the advancements that they made in ballistics um, have leaps and bounds over that now, and mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons why I switched to the switched to nine. I was like, I mean, it's just it just makes sense, perfect sense to do nine now. It's more rounds, lighter, more accurate, deadly. It's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, handgun round. Now, rifle wise, what do you prefer? What's your preferred caliber? Um, you know, I generally run five, five, six stuff. I, I've got other calibers, you know, I've got three Oh eight stuff and I have six, five Creedmoor and I've got a six, five PRC coming in and I'll probably have maybe, I don't know. I'm, I'm really interested in seven millimeter. Uh, was it seven, uh, ultimate reader was just doing some videos on it. I think it was seven millimeter PRC and that round is angry, but you got to pretty much be able to reload it and stuff. Yeah. It's not readily um, available. I, I really stick to the NATO calibers. I mean, I've seen all these exotic rounds come up over the past 10 or 15 years, and everybody just hops on them, and, oh, this is the next thing. And then you're sitting there telling them, like, hey, dude, unless you want to spend, like, all of your lunch money on this ammo, buy something in a NATO like caliber the, that's going to last. The, t- the two two was it 224 Valkyrie? Is that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you remember when that came out? How many rounds have you seen the 6.8 SPC, the 6.5 Creedmoor, the 6.5 Grendel, uh, 270 Win Mag, uh, you know, the 300 Blackout. Uh, I now love you've got the, the 300 Blackout. Fury and the 6.8 SPC. you got all the rounds that SIG has brought out for the new machine guns that yeah. people are going to start gearing up for. And, you know, it's cool. I mean, if you want it and you can own it and you can afford to feed those things, then by all means go and do it. But yeah. When I'm looking for ammo, I don't want to be looking for, you know, six eight SPC at six dollars a shot, right? Yeah. When I can find five five six still reasonably. Those those some of those specialty arms like the six five grand, I mean, they have their their place, but it's not like your everyday defensive round. Yeah. You know, it's not something you want to use for that. I've got a six five Grendel that's you know great for the the long range. Yeah, you know, hunting kind of stuff. Game. What is it? Eight six blackout is the new one. Ah, yeah, it's nose diving already. <laughs> it's just it's just endless. All the the different ammo that they're coming out with. But you said three hundred blackout, and I really like the three hundred blackout round. I think it's yeah, it's a great you know mid range um, caliber and smooth shooter. And I I, lo- I love the yeah. thirty cal. I love the seven six two, but but three nine. You see my. All the oh, AKs yeah. I've but got. can you can you go to your local shop and buy basic bulk ammo for your 300 blackout? For the 300 blackout, you can. Yeah, it's out there. It's available. Yeah. So the fact that you said it's out there and I can't just go to the store and bulk, buy a box of it, like bulk? No, I mean I don't. I don't. <laughs> I haven't seen bulk anything other than like nine millimeter or two two three NATO calibers. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm saying. You want, you want stuff that the government is heavily invested in because you know, there's going to be an endless supply of it. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. I get like that. if those, if those dirty sticky fingered feds would finally unload all of that 30 out six, they've been sitting on since world war two, we would all be shooting 30 out six. Dude. They have got like millions of rounds of that stuff just sitting there and they blow it up. They literally debt cord it and they're blowing it up right now out on different bases to get rid of it. That's ridiculous. If they would just release it to the public, 
Yeah. Lower our taxes. You know, there we go. We'll, we'll pay for ammo. Yeah. Yeah. Sell me some ammo. I'll be happy to, you know, if you want me to pay taxes, give me ammo for my tax money. 100%. That's a good trade-off, huh? Maybe yeah. I just solved our, our debt problem there. Just sell your excess ammo to the citizens, government, and money problem solved. Yeah, it would be gone pretty quick. It would be gone just like that. One person would buy it all and then sell it to everybody else at a jacked-up price. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Was that cheaper than dirt would go buy it all and then... Uh, oh, yeah, those guys. Yeah. Oh, man. So um, when it comes to pop culture, what is your go-to... Uh, whether it's a book or a movie, magazine, maybe you know the social media stuff. I don't know. What is it? it was just to to your escapism. You know, it's just like this is where I go and I've got downtime and I'm just kicking it. So I like to watch old bad '80s action movies. Right um, on. Yes. Yeah, I'm talking like Big Trouble in Little China, bad or like yeah. The Last Dragon. You know, something like that. Uh, Stallone in, uh, what was that where he was the, was it Snaker? I can't remember. Cobra. 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 Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stallone and Cobra. That was so horrible. Yeah. That movie is so bad. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> but it's so good. It's one of those guilty pleasures, you know? Yeah. They're just, I just remember being super young as a kid and that's what was on. So we watched them as kids and thought it was really cool. So now when I get to chill out, I'm like, I want to watch some really corny eighties movie. Like, you know, the Goonies. Oh, the Goonies is classic. Yeah. Right. They need to remake. They need to remake that movie, man. Beetlejuice, all those old ones like that. Be- I just watched it a few days ago. I was like, it's yeah. been, it's been forever since I watched Beetlejuice. Um, the Goonies. Yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know if I want to see them remake that. It's like Red Dawn, you know, they remade Red, Red Dawn and they just pfft, ruined it for the next generations, you know? That's because yeah. that's their red dawn now. It's like, bah. it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. It's, they should have just called it something else and not try to make yeah. it red dawn. Cause that's what they ruined so you, a lot of these remakes with like point break. When they oh, remade, yeah. I never saw the remake of that. It's don't, it's horrible. Just call it something else and make it a different movie. Cause yeah. that, that's basically what you're doing. What you need to do. If you watch the new, uh, the new one, you have to go watch something that was equivalent in the old days. So if you watch the new Red Dawn, you got to immediately turn around and go watch Roadhouse. <laughs> Why not watch the old Red Dawn? You know, he's like, oh, this was <laughs> well, so. No, that's what re- that's what redeems you from having watched the new Red Dawn is going oh, to watch Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Yeah, where he pulls the throat. The, yeah, the Billy Ray Cyrus looking guy. Sam Elliott rolls up on his bike. The double douche. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Elliott was classic too. I love him. Yeah. He's the best. Did you watch him in that uh, uh, TV series? It's like the the ranch or something like that. Uh, yeah. in eighteen eighty three. Yeah, he was in eighteen eighty three. But this was this was a TV series that he did with Ashton Kutcher. It was called The Ranch. You should watch that. It's good. Yeah, we're in the middle of watching. We're up to date on Yellowstone. We're watching eighteen eighty three, and then nineteen twenty three is next. Yeah, I watched eighteen twenty three. Eh, it was eh. Um, Yellowstone, yeah, it's just it's the bomb. So I'm on the second episode of this season. Okay, yeah, yeah. 
So I'm I'm getting caught up on it, but I yeah I love Yellowstone, man. It's yeah, it's a good show. So that guy that created it, um, Sheridan, what's his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does everything now. Every show you watch now, it's him. Like that one with Stallone, the new one with Stallone, Tulsa. That's his show. He created that one too. Hmm. Have you seen that? Mm-mm. No, I haven't seen that. Uh, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I'll admit. Yeah, it's Stallone, but yeah, it's it's not bad. And yeah. what about Bruce Willis and all these B movies? Like he was he's uh, on a, he's been on like a B roll movie binge. Well, like, that's all he makes. I th- I think he did that like so he could make a bunch of money and retire because he had like a stroke or something, didn't he? He's got some sort of a yeah mental disability. I don't know what it is, but yeah, I heard that. He has to. He has to stop making movies because of that. Yeah, I thought he was kind of just doing stuff to kind of. I think that might have been why he was doing those movies is because he had a <laughs> some kind of screw loose or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But I like the old Bruce uh, Bruce Willis movies. Those were good too. All yeah, right. The uh, the Diehards. Yeah. First couple were pretty good. I enjoyed those. What about um, music-wise? What do you? I know you hit the gym and and whatnot. What do you listen to to get pumped up? Yeah, dude. I mean, nothing gets me going like a little bit of like late '90s Gloria Stefan or something like that. <laughs> little Miami Sound Machine. Um, yeah, Little Miami Sound Machine. Uh, you know, I am all over the place with music. I I grew up and my father and my grandparents and stuff. As much time as I spent around them, going to like '50s car shows, building hot rods, I'm like truly born in the wrong generation so i listen to a lot of like old music like 50s stuff 60s stuff you know i like everything else like 70s 80s music and all Mm -hmm. that um but uh you know i I really like older music that was just more simple and wasn't like every other word is like you know f-bomb this and i'm gonna do this to your girl kind of thing and and don't get me wrong i love me some like rap where people are talking like that and shit too but (laughs) For the most part, dude, I like, you know, kind of like more relaxed, older music when I'm just listening to music. And then yeah. when I'm at the gym or something, I'll listen to like crazy hardcore shit. Um, you know, stuff like Pantera and like. I was just about to say, kill, what about Pantera? That's awesome. Yeah. Kill Switch Engage. And a, a good buddy of mine, um, Robbie Arnold, was actually the lead guitarist for a band called Chimera. And they were like a like a heavy metal band he toured the world and got to go do shows with all those big bands and nice actually got to meet i got to meet a lot of those guys when he was in town so it was actually really cool that i like cool. that stuff i like everything though like i pretty much like most music out there i do too variety is the spice of life yeah yeah it is and and for some reason i can't listen to music while i work out i have to listen to like a podcast or something um, oh really see yeah. i want like i don't want to listen to i don't want to listen to stuff i have to pay attention to but I don't. I just kind of, it's just there. You know, it's like background noise yeah. for the most part. Um, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you mentioned, you know, uh, Miami Vice, and you mentioned, I mentioned the Miami Sound Machine. Did you see the new Canic design? Um, that's what I'm looking at on screen. I have not seen that, but that is a train wreck gone wrong right there. The Miami Days. It's got the, it's got the pink. Yeah, right that's. There. That's ugly. It's got the. I dig it. I like can I like Canic, <laughs> but that is one ugly ass pistol. I dig it. I'm glad they went there. I was like, "That's Miami Vice, baby. I love it." Yeah, 
But hey, homage. You, you do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Well, you know, and that was kind thing. of our our discussion was, you know, everybody's different. Everybody's got a little different flavor, a little different taste, and I like the fact that that they're showing that you can personalize your firearm. You can make it your own. You know, you may not like this design, but guess what? You can go out and get any kind of design you want on them nowadays. You know, there's hundred percent. There's there's companies out there that do phenomenal jobs with the Cerakoting, like um, uh, oh, what did the I just had them on the tip of my tongue. Their stuff is like phenomenal that they do. They make posts on the the grams all the time. Um, Def Defcon three, not Defcon three. It's like I don't know. I'll think of them in a minute. And I'm sorry, guys, for for forgetting your name. They're gonna kick my ass. But blown deadline, blown deadline. Okay. Have you ever seen their stuff? Uh, probably. Check out Blown Deadline. Um, they do some sick Cerakoting. They do a really yeah, good job. I got to get actually one of my pistols off to Julius at DEFCON, man. And I've seen some of his work in hand, and I'm just like, good God, I got to do it. Even though I'm like totally not into the Gucci Glock thing anymore. I've got it one yeah. or two, but I got to get one done by him, man. It's just too good. You should at least get one that's got your logo on it, you know? Well, actually, Icarus Precision made me one of their all metal sig frames with my logo in it i gave one i gave one away on the uh hundred thousand giveaway thanks for letting me know right oh, oh, they're expensive man they're like 350 bucks or something yeah what's the name of the company i'm gonna pull them up here on the grams and check out his work I- icarus precision I K or i see i see i see there yeah came right up Maybe I'm already following. I'm 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 not. I need to follow. I will follow. No, they make legit stuff. Let me pull it up for our video audience here. Um, but you guys go check this out. Yeah, they've got different designs for like the P320s, the 365s. They actually, um, they have a couple more coming out that I don't think are out yet, so I can't talk about them. But they're for other. I'll say Glock style pistols. Is this the right um, one? Am I on the right? It says Icarus yeah, so Precision. They, yeah, that's them. They have like their main account and then a backup too. So, okay. Oh yeah, they're not doing like Gucci stuff. They're doing, you know, like worn, battle worn kind of looking stuff. I do. Oh, that. wait till you get to the gold ones with like the. There they are. <laughs> <laughs> they got some Gucci going on. Yeah, that's cool. Like you can that. you can make your Sig P three twenty look like it belonged to Liberace if you want. Here's a blown deadline. I'll show you those real quick. So something like that. I mean, they're doing. That's a lot of work, right so, there. Yeah, I mean, they're doing some like detail, detail. Uh, that stuff. looks pricey. Oh, I'm sure it's not. It's not cheap. So there they're doing like a Mandalorian battle. Yeah. Like a battle scheme or something. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, I'm sure you're gonna pay a little bit for that. But again, you can that's you know, the point is you can personalize these and make them your own. Yeah. I think that's like what's, a car, do what you want to it. That's what's what's really increased the you know, the interest in firearm ownership too, is that you know, people can go and you know, they can do that. Hey, I'm Adam with Canik USA, here talking about an exciting new addition to the Canik Firearms line, the Canik Mete Pro Series. 
Each Canik Mete model will now feature a pro version as well as a standard configuration, meaning you get all the amazing features that come with the Mete line along with some serious upgrades. These upgrades start with an instantly noticeable feature in the new aggressive slide cuts, which not only look cool, but allow for easier manipulation of the firearm. Next is the chrome-plated, fluted, one half by 28 threaded barrel. The Pro Series also features tritium front sights and blacked out rear sights. Finally, the world-famous Canik Trigger is now a polymer 90-degree design. The first two available versions of the Pro Series will be the Canik Mete SFX and the Canik Mete SFT. But as I mentioned before, there's much more coming soon. Thanks for watching, and you can find out more about the Pro Series and all Canik products at CanikArms.com and CanikUSA.com. And don't forget, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can be informed of all the latest Canik news. And as always, stay safe and stay tuned. Um, next question. All right, what is the next gotta have, wanna have, you know, when you've got the, the scratch or the time you're going to go get it? You're picking it up. Mm, like pistol <laughs> or rifle? Could be anything. Could be any. Could be a you know pair of shoes. What what's the next next thing on your list? I mean, I just oh, assume wow, it's man. probably something firearms related, but you know, it doesn't have to be. It could be a camera, you know. You know, I've got there's a couple of firearms I would like to buy, but I don't feel there's anything I need to run out and buy. Yeah. So I want to say that the uh, if I had the money to splurge on something, you know, I'd probably end up just buying a, a new truck. Yeah, okay. Not that mine's that old. So, what kind of truck would you I'd get? Buy a new one. Because I've been looking at. Oh, I'd get. I've been looking at the, the the defenders, like the like the eighties, eighty models, eighty nineties defenders. Yeah, I've been looking at those. Yeah, I would uh, probably end up buying because I already have some square body stuff, so like that uh, seventy three to eighty seven body style. I just sold my sixty seven not too long ago. It was all done. I've got a 56, so I'd probably buy a Tri-5 era, so like 55 to 57 Chevy short bed. Okay. You into the, the Chevy pickups? I'm into anything old, but shit, when it comes to trucks, you know, bow tie is the way I go when they're old. Yeah. Old stuff. Pre-87 stuff. Yeah. So, uh, what's new? What new would you, are you eyeing truck-wise? Uh, when it comes to new trucks, I would get another Titan XD. I've owned a bunch of the Nissan Titans, and I've never had a single problem. I've got hundreds of thousands of miles on them. Yeah. Those and Toyotas, man, you just put miles and miles and miles on them. Yep. Everybody else I know, the Ford or a Chevy, the things are just falling apart, dude, from the interior to the engines. Yeah. My GMC's held up fairly well um, over the year. I got a 97 uh, Yukon. Oh, yeah. Got uh, 300-something thousand miles on it. Um, yeah. I need to change the water pump out on it. It's been sitting for about a year. I haven't um, done that, but you know, it's coming. <laughs> the old lead sled—that's what I call it. It's the it's right. Got, it's got my wrap on it and everything. Um. Yeah. So next question is: Laws be damned, money be damned. What would you own? Oof, money's not an issue, and laws aren't an issue. Laws aren't an issue. Uh-uh. Oh man, uh, Toyota Toyota Hilux with a minigun mounted in the bed. <laughs> <laughs> a Hilux with a minigun. 
Hilux with a minigun, baby. Every, everybody's <laughs> dream gun. <laughs> <laughs> they are. And when I ask you, though, that, you know, what's your dream gun? That's 90% of the answer is the, the minigun, man. Just because yeah. you got unlimited money, so you can get all the ammo you want for it, you know? Yeah. It's kind of hard to get a gal or something like that in the bed of a pickup truck. <laughs> well, I mean, money be damned. You could You could buy it and make somebody... You know, somebody that could make it. Well, fit. money, money, and laws be damned. The best thing would be able to go is be an AC one thirty because then you got the Vulcan and then you got you know your your auto load and howitzer and everything else right there. You just kind of hang out in the air doing a leftward orbit. Right, that's the perfect like zombie apocalypse machine to have right there. You just take yeah. them all out. Yep. Reign of death. Who did I have on? We were talking about that. Um, they called the Angel of Death. Is that what they call them? Oh, there's a bunch of different names for it. Spooky, Spectre, Spectre, Angel of Death, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, there's a bajillion different names in it. Yeah. So, so uh, uh, AC-130, I get it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you could spend the day at the range with anyone or any group of people, it could be, they could still be living, they could be dead, they could be fictional. Who would you like to spend the day at the range with? George Washington. <laughs> the old founding father, huh? George Washington, just so he could see how far we've come and he'd still be on board with us all having exactly what we should be able to have, which is everything. So he would be against our current government. He would be uh, ready to do I another do revolution. Yeah, I I do believe that the group of founding fathers that probably wrote one of the most carefully drafted documents in the world's history knew exactly what government would try to do one day, which is exactly why they worded things they did. So if you want to change the Second Amendment, there's a process for that, and it's called an amendment. So (laughs) you need to go back, have a convention of states, and redo a whole bunch of things and get everybody to sign off on it if you want to change that. And they knew that, which is why they wrote it the way they did. Mm -hmm. But we've eroded that over years and years. Yeah. Lawyers. Damn old lawyers. Yeah, that would be if time travel were possible to go and round up that group of founding fathers and bring them to today's and say, is this what you envisioned? Is this how you saw things going? <laughs> or are they just going to go, dude? Yeah. If, dude, if you took a, a panel of government officials or Supreme Court justices from the mid-1800s up until probably 1920-something, or was it 26 when we got the income tax, they'd yeah. tell you everything that's been done is illegal. Yeah. No doubt. But... For some reason, it still got done. Go figure. So, what's uh, what projects do you have coming up on your YouTube channel that you can talk about? Oh man! So I got uh, that that long range precision rifle there. I'm gonna try to go a mile with that gun. Um, I've got uh, some new blackout defense stuff coming. That's not all out in the public yet. I just got an ADM. Uh, their UIC full ambi lower end, and looking at the safe here. Uh, there's a couple new firearms coming out from existing companies that not very many people know about that are going to be their first version of that. Mm. Um, those are coming soon, which are going to be cool because one of them's like a 
known for precision stuff and they're coming out with something totally opposite of huh. what they've ever released before. Is this like stuff that's going to drop at SHOT Show? It's supposed to. Gotcha. I know a lot of people Hopefully. still, I think you and I were talking about this, a lot of people still hold out till SHOT Show to you know, to release their newest for 2023 where, you know, we were talking like, you know, you should be releasing it like this, like November, October, November is when you should be really releasing that shit for 2023. Yeah, that would, it would probably make a little bit more sense um, in some instances to do that because then you can get a hop on that market. But remember, they got to get rid of inventory. That's true, but still, you know, run that sooner. <laughs> yeah. Get rid of that inventory sooner. And then, because this is the time of year when people are really wanting to buy shit. Yeah. Change the cycle. Oh, don't, you know, change the cycle. It, Make your own destiny. It don't matter, though, because as soon as all that new stuff drops, you know, everybody's going to run right out and buy it again. So it doesn't yeah, matter. That's true. Let's do some listener questions here. Um, did you reshare this on yours? Uh, I did. I think I shared it in a story though. Okay. You might not have. I was going to say, if you had questions that were on yours too, we'll take those too. Uh, let's see. We'll do newest first. This is Skylar BK1. What's one of your favorite pistol, pistol caliber carbines? Oh, CMMG Banshee. Digging that one? And what do you like about yeah, it? Yeah, it's... So... You got it over there? It's not as expensive of other things. Yeah, I've got it right here. Yeah, bring it um, Gun porn, we like it. Right? So... They, uh... They didn't do that just straight blowback design. It's got that slight uh, delay in it. So you get a better overall shooting setup. But... The quality of stuff that CMMG does is just really good. Um, I know they're not like an overly like highly well-known brand. Like you don't see them in every single store, mm-hmm. but everything I have touched from them has just been super nice. So I dig it. I've got other PCCs and this one just shoots better. I mean, it's more expensive than some, but it's a lot less expensive than others. So, And is that like factory that you've got there? Or is that some uh, after stuff that you've done to yours? So I added the little you know, Midwest Industries flash hider to give me some extension because you can see that's rather short on a barrel. Yeah. Um, so I added that and then obviously the optic and the light, but it came pretty much how you see it here with the uh, brace and charging handle and uh, pretty much the way it is. So CMMG does a good job of kind of outfitting their stuff too. Yeah. I would say that, uh, you know, and this is, kind of changed my mind because of the last AK corner that we had, uh, the Draco nine S, um, the Draco that they've got that takes the, um, not, not scorpion, but is it scorpion mags? You got one there? Well, this is the, uh, Palmetto state AKV nine. Yeah. The, the also AKV9. good, but I'm, I'm digging the, the Citri arms Draco, um, because it doesn't take the Glock mags anymore. They, well, they've got one that still does the Glock mags, but they've got this one that takes the, 
um, CZ Scorpion. The, the Scorpion mags now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's got that classic kind of AK curved yeah. magazine look to it. Yeah, the CZ Scorpion's good too. It's, it, I mean, I think it's probably the most proven one in that kind of spectrum, but it's just a little wonky for me, like the way it's set up. Yeah, I I dig the the sub two thousand Keltec sub two thousand nine millimeter uh, pistol caliber. You know, they yeah. fold in half, and I had. I think I've them. shot it like once. Dude, they're like super accurate, super accurate. Yeah. It's right out of the box. Yeah. Love mine. That was Skyler. Let's see. Wyatt Stevenson. Have you ever owned or shot a Norinco 84S? If so, what are your thoughts on the rifle? That's more of an AK corner not. question. Yeah. But I so have. The, yeah. I've yeah I have them. not. The only AK that I personally own is my M70, you know, my ZPAP. So. Yeah. Um, it, this is the 5.56 version um, yeah. that they've got out. And, you know, we had a, a really good discussion about this on this month's AK Corner. I had Professor Paul Markle with Student of the Gun on, and, uh, you know, he made a really good point about, you know, the AK was specifically, the AK-47 was specifically designed around a round, the 7.62 mm-hmm. by 3.9. You know, and it shoots that round really well, and that's what it was designed to shoot. It wasn't designed to shoot a 5.56 you know, NATO, even though it's, you know, it shoots it just fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, but you know, you're kind of underutilizing what the rifle was designed for you know, by, by going that route. Um, but it shot good. My buddy drew, you guys have heard drew. He's been on the show several times. He's, he's got one and he's let me, uh, we've taken it out to the range several times and shot it. So had a lot of questions about the uh, five, four, five on the last AK corner too. Um, yeah, people wanting more five four five caliber rifles come out. Yeah, I'm gonna get one. I mean, I'm gonna get some more AKs. I mean, I've shot a ton of them. I just I've never owned mm-hmm. them because I grew up in the military with you know yeah M4s and stuff like that. So the AR civilian, you know, well, that's why the I AR s- in the civilian sector is just what I'm used to. That's why I started the the AK corners because I wanted to get more familiar with the AK. Because I, you know, AR, I was diehard AR guy, and that's all I would own. Yeah. And I was like, you know, fuck the AK. You know, it's trash. But then as I started getting into them, learning more about them, you know, I've slowly and, you know, converted over to the AKs. I, I really like AKs. I like my ARs too, but I really like my AKs. So I think, I think, I, can't, I think it was Fuller said this when i was up at Haley strategic one day and he was like the ak is the only gun that you can build poorly and completely out of spec and terribly and it'll still run now the question is how long will it run you don't know but it will yeah. still run uh, well, which cannot be said for other things because if you don't build them just right they ain't gonna run at all no but the, i mean the, the and to his point yes you can to a certain extent but you know they can blow up in your face too if you don't get oh yeah that, a trunnion will just mar itself to death and then fly apart on you and yeah and if you don't get that headspace right whereas yeah. you know an ar is a little different um ton jones you remember oh, ton yeah remember ton uh, when are you coming to texas and shoot some big ass air guns and do some barbecuing 
<laughs> February, dude. I am marking. I just talked to him on the phone yeah. uh, last week. Uh, I am super excited to get like an air gun and do some air gun stuff because oh, yeah. you can get an air gun and a suppressor, walk out the door, fill your tank, and take care of all the damn vermin on your property. But I'm just like, yeah. You can I'm have it sent to your February. doorstep. You can order them have them sent right to your doorstep. Yeah, yeah so. but I want to make I'm going to make a trip out of it and go out there and hang out and Oh yeah. Yeah, he's been on my ass days. too to come out there too and I I mean for nothing else but just his cooking. Have you seen that boy cook? Yeah. Let's hold hands and do it together. We'll all go out there. I'm I'm in. We we could call it my birthday celebration cuz my yeah. birthday's in February. Uh dude, like cuz I'm in shot show all week but I definitely want to do it like February, March. I sure as hell don't want to do it in the summer. No. Uh-uh. Yeah. Now, we got to give him time to get his roof fixed, too. He just got hit with a storm. Yeah. Old Tennessean, what's the one firearm you had the opportunity to use but couldn't keep and missed the most? That Deagle, man. Yeah, Deagle? I was going to say that. Deagle. It, ha- it haunts me that it's gone. Uh, besides that, the only two things that are not currently in my possession but will be someday is my, my father's saddle guns. So he's had some 94s and 74s that are very, very old. Um, had them many, many decades, and someday those will be mine. Nice. I got my dad's uh, 94, and uh, I bought another one at an auction not too long ago. Mm-hmm. I just I love those lever guns, man. Yeah. Very um, cool. And then the one I missed the most... Uh, I my very first AR-15 that I bought. It was like a Frankenstein. I bought it at a gun store. And um, it had ARMS arms. It had an arms rail on it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it had a custom... Uh, it was a barrel shroud on it, but it had like the cheese grater <laughs> look to it. Yeah. Uh, I loved that thing. <laughs> Yeah, I did a video. I still have the first AR I ever bought. It was a Bushmaster optics-ready carbine that had like an 8-inch, uh, I think it was uh, Yankee Hill machine rail, like an 8-inch rail on a 16-inch barrel, <laughs> Yeah, a, a gas block flip-up front sight post. I mean, at its time, because it was post-ban, it was like 2007 or something I bought that thing. Yeah. It was like hot, had a bayonet lug on it and everything, oh, nice. you know, stupid. I just rebuilt it. I did a video on the original one, then I did a video on the rebuild. So I love it now. I put a brand new barrel in it, a blackout defense barrel. I think I used on that one. I put a uh, MCMR rail from uh, BCM, and I put new stocks, and I put a Geisley single stage trigger in it. It's all it's all oh, beautiful yeah. now. <laughs> I think I have a picture of my first AR. Let me see. It's crazy when you look back at how things used to look when they were trying to get around like the barrel shroud the muzzle device things yeah it was crazy is this it that's not it i've got a picture of that somewhere i'll have to it did its job though because mine was one of the old wyndham weaponry it was like the wyndham brand before bushmaster moved and turned to crap i can't remember what lower this one had on it because at the time i mean this was my very first this was like my very first like gun that I bought myself. This is before I bought my handgun. I bought this AR. 
was like an Olympic arms lower. I don't know. I mean, it 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 might have been like a an Anderson or something. I don't know. I can't remember what it was. I'll have to get my pictures yeah. and see. But it was just a Frankenstein build that somebody had built. But they'd done a really oh, good God. job. I mean, it was solid. It was a solid build, and that ar- I love that arms rail that was on it. It's A period, R period, M period, S period. Oh, yeah, I've got an arms optic mount that I just gave away with the first scope I was ever able to buy. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, that shit, I haven't looked them up lately, but back in the day, that shit wasn't cheap. It was expensive. Oh, no, that was hot stuff back in the day. Yeah, it was. All right. Um... Taro 75, tactical considerations. What were some of the difficult obstacles you had to overcome to reach the success you now have as one of the premier YouTube influencers? And do you like Uh, to be called an influencer? I don't care what people call me. I've been called so much weird shit in my life, it doesn't matter. No, I'm YouTuber, influencer, I don't care. Um, I don't look at it as like influence. I look at it as just giving people information like, hey, look at this or don't look at this or pay attention to this. That's how I look at it. You're an educator. You're not an influencer. Yeah. Um, because I fell victim to buying so much bad crap, you know, by marketing magazines, magazines will give you the worst information possible. Oh yeah. That is a 100% paid for ad in that article. That is shill. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but it's really not because you know, they're paying for that article, you know? Yeah. Um, and I've written some articles too, but I do it in a very, here's the, the item, here's the thing. Um, here's you know, you got to be careful with that. These are the right? facts. Nothing but the facts. Yeah, like, it's kind of like, this is what it is. This is how you use it. I mean, you got to be careful when you're writing articles. Like, I've read some things where it's like, revolutionary. I'm like, oh God, who wrote this? You know, I'm just like, I'm laughing it's already. Somebody who's getting paid. Uh, yeah, 100%. Um, and you so can tell the by the words that they use. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, one, one, thank you for that. Um, I don't know if I'm one of the premier guys out there. There's a lot bigger channels than mine. But the obstacles are really going to be, <clears throat> you know, that uh, once you come up to speed on, like, what you need as far as equipment, audio, visual, lighting-wise, it's really just going to be yourself, right? Like, not second-guessing yourself when you're making videos and having the confidence to make mistakes. I mean, I've said shit in videos that I was like, I thought it was right at the time and it was completely wrong or something changes um, or a, a spec changes or you forget something or you say the wrong thing. And I'm just like, look, man, that video is out there. You eat me alive in the comments. I don't care. I'm a big boy. I got my big boy pants on and I'm just going to keep doing my thing. Yeah. So it's really the obstacle is yourself because anybody can, if I can, pick up a camera and learn how to take video and photo and learn how to edit because I am like, like super not artistic. Right. I learn from watching other people. If I can do that, pretty much anybody out there can, you know, as long as you are truthful to your audience. Yeah. But here's the thing with that too, is, is, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, you just don't learn by picking it up and then feel you, you've got to put time in with it. You know, you got to put the, the research and you know, that's what you did. You didn't just like pick it up and then it just came to you all of a sudden and you learned it, you know? It, and that's no. what a lot of people get frustrated with is when the success doesn't come, you know, yeah. just like oh, that. You're going to fail a lot. You know? And I mean, I still fail. Look at all the, the YouTube channels that are all out there. Look at all the podcasts that are out there now. I mean, there's, 
there's like something like over two million podcasts out there now. When yeah. I started, there was you know maybe a hundred thousand or you know, and we were like yeah. one of the only firearms related ones. You know, so yeah, podcasts are like the YouTube of the early two thousands now. Yeah, yeah. So you know, you got to do something that's going to set yourself apart too. You know, don't don't try to copy somebody else. Just put your own. You know your own flavor, yeah. your own flair, and, and be honest to yourself. Don't worry about what other people think. Yeah, hundred percent. Eventually, people will start showing up because one, they can trust you, and two, because it's you, right? You develop relationships, yeah. you know, online with your audience. And just like you said, everybody's not going to like you or like what you have to say, and you got to be able to to just brush that off your back and and move on because the majority of the yeah. people that are watching and listening to you do care about what you have to say and appreciate it yeah have thick skin because that comment section leads to life yeah. sometimes just don't don't read it <laughs> hey leadheads white settle with seal one just here to talk to you and tell you a little bit about our product seal one clp plus is a bio-based non-toxic product it comes in a paste liquid aerosol and pre-saturated bore specific patches called seal skins they all do the same thing just different methods of application the best way to use our product is to start with a clean firearm. And there's two reasons why I say that. First, you start with the Seal 1 CLP Plus by field stripping your firearm and covering the entire firearm inside and out, bore, barrel, everything with the Seal 1 CLP Plus. You'll see how easy it spreads around. You want to wait about 15 to 20 minutes, then you come back and you want to wipe it all off. So you see how easy it is to put on and remove. And the second reason we say to use a clean firearm is you'll find that it's not clean. We're gonna pull out more carbon that's been left behind with whatever product you've been using before. Okay, it takes about three cleanings. So I like to say a clean shoot, clean shoot, clean shoot, just normal usage before the Seal One CLP Plus has removed whatever product that you were using before and has seasoned the firearm. It's kind of like breaking in a cast iron skillet. And after that first cleaning, you will notice a difference. And with each successive cleaning, you will find that it gets easier and easier to clean. Seal One CLP Plus is a dry lubricant and is designed to work as such. You will find that malfunctions are virtually eliminated when used properly because the majority of all malfunctions are caused to carbon buildup. And with the Seal One CLP Plus, the carbon does not build up. Seal One CLP Plus is safe on all metals, plastics, composites, polymers, rubber, wood, and leather. Seal One CLP Plus is a one-and-done formulation. No other products are required or needed to clean and lubricate and protect your firearm. That's why we say Seal One and Done. Seal One is a proud sponsor of the Talking Lead Podcast and the Leadhead Brigade. Use the code LEADHEAD for a 25% off discount. Uh, let's see. Flood munitions. Do you ever find it taxing to keep up with today's fast-paced content while trying to stay within YouTube guidelines? Uh, 100%. So I got demonetized a couple months ago. Um, and it was kind of one of those, like, we made a mistake, your channel's fine kind of things, but it cost me three months worth of revenue, basically. Um, it's difficult because stuff changes pretty quickly. Um, but I will say generally you get a notification or an email of what changes are coming where the issues come up with people is there's different policies for YouTube and then the YouTube partner program. If you're part of that, 
and the ones for the partner program are more stringent than the YouTube regular guidelines. And they're very clear for the most part. Um, what isn't clear is sometimes when decisions are made on them by somebody at YouTube, it's like they don't know their own rules. Yeah. Um, and that, that that part gets frustrating. When you have a video that is 100% within policy and you have followed every rule, you've stayed on the rails because I don't own YouTube, I don't own Google, I don't own Alphabet, I don't own their infrastructure and their billion dollars worth of hard drives. I'm just a dude that gets to use that service for free to make money on, right? Because they're going to show ads or maybe somebody uses one of my affiliate links. So I play by the rules because if I get deleted, you know, what good does that do? So it's frustrating when you spend so much time making a video in a specific way using everything that they want you to do as rules and then they demonetize it or take it down or like my buddy Jonathan from Tactical Toolbox gave him like two strikes in a week for videos that did not go against the rules. It was just like, hey, arbitrary decision, bang, goodbye. Um, and that, you can't, and, that's tough and the first thing about it is, is you can't, you can't appeal it. I mean, you can appeal and then if they override your appeal, then that's it. You have no other yes. form of, of stating your case and trying to plead your case. Yeah. And until you have almost a million subscribers, you don't get direct contact with anyone at YouTube. Yeah. And they just, they just cut you off. And plus, I mean, you've been doing it for three years. So, I mean, I, I guarantee you, you've got content out there that you forgot that you've put out there, you know, 10 years that, you know, I've been doing this and stuff that I've got 10 yeah. years ago. I just got a strike the other day for, for a video that, you know, was like eight years ago that I did. I mean, I've completely forgot that I had out there and it was like, you get a strike. There's no contesting it. No, anything. Boom. You know, no warnings, no nothing. Yeah. So I went back and I actually, removed videos i edited videos in youtube and cut parts out and it took me months because when all the rule changes were coming i was like okay i've got to go back through things and i literally cut out removed so much stuff and it took so long yeah but if you take the video down that hurts your channel you lose analytics you start like the death spiral on youtube so it's it that's that's the frustrating part because yeah the rules change but it's retroactive too but it's it's very unrealistic of them especially like i said for somebody who's had a channel for like 10 years and the content that they've got up that i'm not going to go through 10 years of content and and see what's you know violated your new rules your all of a sudden yeah. these new rules that didn't exist then you know there should yeah. be some sort of a grandfathering thing is like if you've posted after you know we've made this new rule then from there forward mm -hmm. Um, or if we find one that's older than that, let's give you a warrant is a notification. Say, Hey, this video we found is, you know, questionable to our new rules. Would you look it over and give you the opportunity to fix it rather than just you're done. Yeah. And I think that would be, I mean, that would be an, a very amenable solution is to say, Hey, we found this, the rules now say you can't have this. So edit it out or take the video down. I'd be more than happy with that. Like I said, not Absolutely. my infrastructure. I didn't own it. I don't build it. I, so, but give me the chance. Yeah. Just, I want to play by the rules. Tell me how to stay on the rails and I'll do it. Right. Yeah. To a certain extent. Yeah. And then there's a point where you got to pack your balls up and walk away. Yeah. Good question, Flood. And Flood's starting off. He's a new YouTuber inf influencer, I guess. Yeah. No, that's a great question because you're going to run into a lot of brick walls. <laughs> Just face it. 
Uh, and I had another another guy who's trying to start up. Uh, he actually wants to to talk to me about some tips and things, but uh, I can't. I don't know if he wants me to say anything about it. So, Behurst, what's a good minimalist IFAC setup for range day? I've seen some things at ranges that make me wonder. No RO in the middle of the woods at watershed. You, uh, so for a minimalist IFAC, um, that's first of all going to depend on your training experience. If you don't know how to use anything in there, it's all worthless. True. Um, what I will say is go find uh, somewhere or a company around you that has a stop the bleed class. I think you can actually use your um, retirement health savings or health savings account if you have insurance that will actually pay for the class and the kit. And they send you home with a full blowout kit. And you don't have the training and experience to use all the stuff that's in it. Nice. Um, that would be my first thing if you've had no training and you just want a good, decent kit. I've got different ones from Live the Creed. I've got HSGI kits. I've got everything. In all reality, the best med kit is the one you have on you. Have a tourniquet and have some chest seals and have some quick clot. Keep them in a sterile, safe, dry environment and know how to use them. And that's really the best advice I can give you. A tourniquet's pretty simple. You just got to make sure it's tight enough. A chest seal is very simple. You just got to know, hey, how many do I need for how many holes? And then, you know, quick clot, um, depending on where the wound is, right? You don't pack the chest cavity. You don't pack the throat. You know, <laughs> if you're packing a wound somewhere in the pelvic girdle area, low or the femoral or something or low leg, you know, know how to use it, know how to pack it, know the speed at which you have to pack it. Um, and there's videos out there you can watch and see, but um, there's a stop the bleed class almost everywhere. Um, that would be my recommendation, especially if you got zero training experience, because that's going to set you off on the right foot. Good answer like that. Guns, oil, and dirt. Another new YouTuber, podcaster on the scene. What piece of kit or random thing do you find most useful that most people overlook? It's a good question. Oh, wow. Like a piece of kit that most people overlook. Um, if I had to pick a tool, it'd be my old Leatherman. Um, Multi-tool. Because yeah. when I need something and I'm walking around, that old little Leatherman that I've got has been handy and I've owned it for 20 years. Um, I've had that ever since I was a kid. You know how to improvise like with it. What's that? I said, you know how to improvise with it. 100%. Um, such an adaptive tool. Uh, the other thing I would say secondarily that a lot of people forget about is location device, location services devices, right? Know where you are, <laughs> whether it's a GPS device or the GPS on your phone. Um, because I like to go do things outdoors. I know a lot of friends that do traveling different waterways or forests and the worst thing you can do is not have a proper location and then to compound that not know how to read a topographic map and use it to your advantage yeah i would say some sort of a non-electronic like a compass would be mm -hmm. would be key yeah old school compass and know where you are in the u.s to set your declination and yeah how to figure out where you are between true north and magnetic north and Life skills, man. And know where the moss grows, right? Don't go hiking uh, in bear-infested area with your with your kids, <laughs> with your or in toddlers. Arizona, people 
yeah, Arizona people go hiking, dead summer, 120 degrees, with a 16-ounce water bottle up Camelback and die every year. Yeah. I was watching some uh, video and his family. This guy's got his, his baby in the backpack hiking, and he's got like a little toddler walking next yeah. to him. And this bear's coming up behind him, and the mom's filming yeah, you know this, and they're just yelling at the bear, go, go away, bear, go away, bear, go, bear. Yeah. So you shouldn't have put yourself in that situation to begin with. Or if you're going to have like a the proper defensive mechanisms. Yeah, have some spray and. All right, next question, Bailey Muller eighty. What are your general thoughts on the NGSW program? Do you feel that developing new weapon platforms was the right move or should resources have been more focused in a different area? Do you have yeah, I actually read, I read that question. Um, so here's the thing. We've been buried in the same two four nines and two forties and different versions of them. And the, you know, uh, the modus and, and all of those cruiser weapon systems for a very long time and squad automatic weapons for got almost 40 years, I think now. Um, not that they're bad. I mean, trust me, I love some 240, but why not continue to innovate and get more power, you know, performance, uh, carryability options, you know, technology is always advancing. And if you're not advancing your technology, when it comes to pretty much every weapon system, you're falling behind. Um, Mm -hmm. that being said, we dumped a lot of money into those programs and the companies that didn't get the contracts were like Texton, General Dynamics and somebody else, you know, wasted a lot of money ultimately. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, the military is not quick to change. The government is not quick to change, but usually when they do, when it comes to weapon systems, a great many times it's good, you know, going away from certain rocket launcher systems or, you know, handheld missile systems like laws and AT4s and stuff to like a system like the Javelin. I was one of the very first people that got trained on a Javelin. That thing was like revolutionary. Did you get to use it in real life? Fire and forget. Uh, No, I never got to fire one in real life. Um, Only the training one, which was stupid. (laughs) But uh, I mean, think about how cool that is to have a fire and forget tube computer guided self I mean, that's that's that technological growth you want because that yeah. keeps you a level up. When it comes to the guys kicking doors and the maggots that are dug in, throwing lead down range on the objective before the door kickers get there, you want the best, hottest round you can throw, right? So that's kind of how I look at it. Um, did I think SIG was going to get all the contracts? No. Uh, uh, you know that was political. That, you know that was political. I'm just wondering who's got money in that company to the point where they made that decision. Um, Cause it just seems odd that they just got everything, ammo, weapons, pistols, you know, cruiser the general that was in charge of making else. that decision had a buddy at SIG apparently, or oh, man, go check his yeah. bank account and tell me, tell me different. I've seen them. They're cool. I mean, I've had them all in my hand. They're badass weapon systems. That's for sure. So if it's, if it's an advancement, I'm all for it. Oh, yeah. um, if we're wasting money on the military industrial complex just to waste money, not cool with it. But if it's an advancement that's going to help our guys and girls in uniform, then I'm all for it. Spend the money. Amen. 
What is the most surprising piece of kit that you expected not to like at all? Giddy up, ask that. Mm, that's a tough one. Uh, holster wise. Uh, so alien gear holsters. I did not have a, I didn't have a per se, like a really bad opinion, but I'd have a very high opinion of them. And mm-hmm. I wanted to test out some of the other retention holsters in the market. Cause Safari land really kind of sucks. They're just by default. Yeah. Um, the brand that you go with. And I got their rapid duty force level three retention holster, which I carry a level one. So it's thumb break only usually when I'm working and I ran, I, I took that holster out, did a couple draws, got used to it. And that thing is fire. That holster's badass. And it's alien um, gear. The alien gear rapid duty force holster. So it's a level three retention holster that I think out on the range, I was doing like 0. 0.9, 0. 0.93. And I think I got a, like a couple 0. 0.87 first round on target from a level three holster. That's impressive. So that I'm not that fast generally so that that holster was solid uh, i still use it it's up on one of my belts right there it's pr- it's pretty legit i did not think i was gonna i thought i was gonna tear it apart basically <laughs> and i was like oh that's uh that's pretty good so i kind of had to eat some crow on that one just checking the facebook uh, see if i had any questions on there it didn't it didn't post to facebook uh i think we've got a couple more here What is your go-to rifle and the setup on it, Mustang Perry? Um, so my main squeeze right now is a Wait. Blackout Defense uh, 13.7, uh, Aimpoint H2 on it, uh, Cloud Defensive Light on it. Uh, it's got their trigger in it. I uh, run it with a dead air can. And um, I haven't decided which... IR laser device is going on it yet, but that if I had to reach for something, that would be the one I'd reach for first right now. And kind of go with that, B Hurst. What uh, which pistol lights do you prefer? So I think uh, for the money, I think Streamlight's the best option out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love some Surefire, but you're talking the difference of like two hundred dollars between a, a TLR one HL, you know, the high lumen one thousand uh, lumen Streamlight, and like the X three hundred. It's like $200 more or something. So I've personally used Streamlights for a very long time, and I've got Surefires. And, have, I mean, you I think tried Enforce? have you tried the Enforce? Yeah, I've had a couple of Enforce lights. I've had a decent experience with them. Um, they're, they're not bad. The one thing is like their, their battery panel, switch panel, seems to keep having problems popping open on its own and, Stuff like that. Um, I've actually still got an old APLC that's in my backpack gun, uh, the original one. And it's, it's, in fact, it's got the, I think it's only on the second battery and it's got to be four years old. <laughs> so there's no phantom battery drain on that one. Yeah. But uh, I, I just am a fan of the streamlights. I've used them a lot. I've seen the beatings they can take. I've seen them uh, when our motorcycle officers get in wrecks and the gun goes, the rifle that's on the rack gets smashed into the ground and goes flying. The two things you can count on that are still going to work on that rifle are the aimpoint optic and the shirt and the streamlight light that's on there. Did uh, what did you use when you were uh, ranger? Uh, we had surefires. Get surefires there. Yeah, it's, but I mean, when you're in the military, especially if you're in a special operations community, that gear is awesome, but you don't have to pay for it. 
<laughs> right. But, you know, again, buy it once, cry once, you know, kind of deal. True, but think about how fast light technology is changing. Yeah. Right? So you buy a light, you know, 16 months ago, and now cloud defensive will give you a light twice as bright that reaches twice as far. But again, you with technology, you can't wait because you're going to keep waiting and waiting and waiting. So you got to, you know, you just got to go ahead and jump on something and buy well, it. I'm not saying wait, but I also, I try to find like, uh, where's that happy median between price quality sure. and usability, like that effectiveness of that. And I think Streamlight fits that really well because I, there's no way I could afford to outfit every one of my rifles with a surefire, man. It's just too much. Yeah. I mean, just trying to outfit all of them with a light period, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's so many, um, I think that's that's most of the questions there, and we've talked about the other stuff um, through these. Um, so for the three years that you've been doing this, uh, the YouTube, the you know, it started as a bet. Uh, it's probably from one of your your uh, former Ranger buddies there, huh? <laughs> that that dared you to do this. They they would like to remain nameless, <laughs> the anonymous. Um, but right. you're probably thinking them now, uh, no doubt. I mean, you seem to be really enjoying this. Um, we had a really good time at the the lockdown uh, event there. You know, the opportunities that it's that the doors that it's opened up and opportunities. Uh, I mean, I'm sure uh, in the long run, you look back, you're like, I appreciate you making that dare, dude. What's what's been like the most gratifying experience? through your travels up to to where you're at now with the, with the YouTube uh, experience that you've had maybe it's a person that you've met or an event that you've been to or maybe you ran into one of your you know your subscribers um so it's funny i run into subscribers all the time which is pretty cool um but like you know you have like those milestones where you're like oh you get like your first thousand and you get your first ten thousand then you're like twenty five thousand you're fifty and then you get a hundred thousand but i think really the things that stick with me are all the events that i've been able to go to um because you get to meet a lot of the other people and it's funny because i think people don't understand sometimes that are outside the 2a community just how welcoming and nice and genuine most of these people really are and that's one of the things, like I was just at a hunt with uh, American Outdoor Brands in Missouri and the National Deer Association. And there was a, um, one of the attendees was from a very, was Oregon, a very liberal place, grew up there and had a very different upbringing and mentality and thought process. And when she began to work for the company, um, one of the things that they said, one of the things that she said there was, you know, hunters and people in the Second Amendment community do more to care for animals in the earth than any activist I've ever met. And it's true. And it everybody there was just open arms, welcoming, just happy to help. And that's why I think the events always stick with me because you get to meet just really good, cool people that want to have fun and are just genuine and would literally give you the shirt off the back right there. Like when, when we were out there and it started snowing, on the range day, I gave, I gave ton my jacket. I had no idea who the man was. I'm like, dude, you're wearing shorts and a t-shirt. You need some cold weather. So I handed him my raincoat, um, because I had bought some gear with me 
and I gave it to him. It's a little small for him, so I gave it back. But I'm like, dude, we got to get you some clothes, brother. Like you're gonna you're gonna get yeah. sick or something. Or but it's he wears suck. shorts. I want you to have a good time. He wears shorts in every weather condition. Yeah, that's just him, you know. <laughs> well, but that's but yeah, but that's just kind of how it was. Like I'm I. Give, hey, here's my jacket. I've got. Oh yeah, I've got a sweater too. Here you yeah. go. And right. that's the that's, way that is the community. Everybody at that event was too, and everybody was helping everybody. Somebody needed something or couldn't figure something out. You know, it wasn't like, oh, you dumbass. Or it was like, hey, let me, you know, let me show you. Let me help yeah. you with that. Even those range, you know, instructors were. Yeah, you know, dealing. Yeah, the dumbass comes later when we're drinking at the bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, yeah. we get, it. and you know, we talk about that. Uh, at nauseum here on the show and but that's the point you know and that's what we want to convey is that we're trying to we're trying to bust that stigmatism that the leftist liberal media gives us as being the redneck good old boy network that you know wants to overthrow the government with you know we are the most diverse most welcoming community that there is we welcome all races, all preferences, all religions, all sexes, all everything. Yeah. You know, all ages. We're not ageist either. You know, everyone is welcome to enjoy their Second Amendment rights, and we we want you to do it responsibly and yeah. go out of our way for that. And yeah, man, and we're glad you're a part of it because you are you're a good example uh, of a responsible. Uh, America loving to a activist, and we appreciate it. You're my hero. Yeah. You get a ride on Lead Force One, Mike. Jesus, yeah, right. <laughs> it's it's nice, man. It's plush. It's got Corinthian leather seats. You know, we got oh. nothing but you know the top food and drinks on uh, Air Force One. Uh, nice. The crew, knockouts. You can bring your wife too. Yeah. Cool. It's cool since you're married. You're a married man. <laughs> but, man, I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to have you on the show, getting to know you uh, a lot better. We didn't we didn't really have the chance to talk a lot at the event. I mean, there was so, so much going on there. And yeah. was, they really kept us busy. Um, uh, but, I, you know, I've been ever since then been wanting to get to know you a little better, and I thought what better way than to have you on the show and, you know, not only me, but let our listeners get to know you a little better too. Yeah, hundred percent, man. That was a uh, that was definitely busy. There was a lot of stuff going on, yeah, up there. Yeah, you kind of you, you fell in with the people right next to you, and that's about who you got who you got to talk to because everything just kept going. Yeah, you just kind of had to grab a root and growl and uh, and hang on for yep. the ride. But uh, it was good. Enjoy. I hope they do another one. Uh, it was very enjoyable. But um, maybe we can get together and we can do some things uh, in the near future. Would love to have you back on. Um, Hopefully, you know, if I make it to Shot Show, we'll maybe we can hang out there and do some things too. Yeah, hundred percent, man. Then do like a air gun barbecue weekend in oh, Texas. Oh, we definitely got to make that happen. We got we got to get with Ton and and go down there and do some air gun popping with the the fifty cal and all that. Oh, have you seen I had the no idea what they had, dude? Have you seen it's their crazy. bolt? They got a bolt air gun out now that shoots yeah. arrows. Oh, the arrows. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he. Remember, we were talking about that up there. He finally got like the arrows that won't like fracture when they. Yeah, fire they got them. it. They got it like tuned in and work. I think they've got it out now. I think it's available. It's either this month yeah. or next month. They're going to have it uh, for sale. Yeah, 
That's crazy, dude. I know. I want to shoot that. That'll be so fun. Yeah. I want to shoot them all. <laughs> True. <laughs> I want to take them all for a spin. Uh, but yep. uh, tell everybody where they can go and and your YouTube, your social meds, got a website, all that stuff. You got swag. Yeah. So the YouTube is just tactical considerations. Um, same thing with Instagram and every other social media platform that I'm on. And then my website is tacticalconsiderations.com. Um, so that's like the blog site where it has like, you know, all the, the videos are all linked there. So you don't have to be on YouTube. You can watch them all there on the you know, specific page. Um, that's of course where all like the affiliate links and all that stuff are. Cause that's how most of us keep our channels going. If you like something we've done a video on, you click the link and you know, it helps us right. by getting a small commission on there. And then, um, one a company that I just started doing some stuff with where they gave a pretty good discount was Iron Infidel for their like hydro flask bottles. Like I got one sitting around here somewhere. Anyways. Cool. Oh, it's in this bag. But uh they're awesome because it's like a big like sixty ounce hydro flask that comes in like a case and it's got like a handle and you put your cell phone in it. So you take it to the gym or take it hiking. Yeah. Um yeah, those are super cool. But uh cool. It helps just because that's what pays for the camera gear and all that stuff. And yeah, um, most people, I mean, if they're going to buy the item anyways, you know, they're they're more than willing to help you out. So oh yeah, it doesn't like I said, it doesn't cost them anything. It's just they've already built that into their marketing expenses. Yeah. So you go. Uh, so you're talking about this link on Instagram. You can go. You click on that link in his bio, and then it gives you links to his YouTube channel, his shirts, hats. Yeah. Uh, and I guess where you can get some uh, some discounts, some things. There's Patreon, uh, my store, Amazon. We get my store, Amazon. What's that? Uh, that's just like the some of like my favorite items that I found on Amazon and all that stuff. Okay. Uh, and then you know, like there's the lights and different things you can get just shipped direct to you. But yeah, that that link tree on Instagram will show you most of the stuff, and then you know it's all the same directed social media sites or my personal website the tacticalconsiderations.com are all from there so very cool guys go check them out tactical considerations mike's been a pleasure having you on and uh lead heads make sure if you haven't entered that the big 10-year giveaway that we're doing go and do that go and support our sponsors and show them love and you do that by going to their websites and buying stuff and using these discount codes mission first tactical use code leadhead you're going to get 20 percent off Seal1.com, go there for all your uh, gun cleaning, lubrication needs, Seal1.com. Use code LEADHEAD, you're going to get 25% off. For our logoed gear and apparel, uh, the classic logo, talking lead gear and apparel, you go to 1776 United uh, to get our shirts, our LEADHEAD Brigade logos, our patches. Um, use code talking lead. you're going to get 20% off at 1776 United. Uh, we are talking about ASP USA earlier. Their flashlights, they got some of the, the best handheld flashlights, dual fuel, uh, that are out there. Uh, they're giving one of the, one of those away in the giveaway that we have. It's like a 2000 lumen uh, dual fuel flashlight from ASP. Go use the code all caps LEADHEAD. You get 15% off, and that's off anything. Actually, it's 20% now. He upped it uh, another 5%, so you get 20% off at ASP USA. That's their handcuffs. Their batons. I had one of their batons here. You got what? Which baton do you guys use on your force? 
Uh, I carry an aircraft grade aluminum side handle baton with a swivel handle. Ah, nice, a swivel handle. I think this is like all that stuff too. Um, but they got all the handcuffs and all that stuff at ASP USA. Um, and the flashlight. I really like their flashlights. Um, Factory 47, use the code LEADHEAD. That's our AK Cornered logo apparel. You get our sweaties, our T-shirts. They've got the women's apparel there. You get the AK Corner logo. Uh, use the code LEADHEAD. You're going to get 10% off. Seeing a pattern with the LEADHEAD, I try to make it simple for myself so I can remember all yeah, the Yeah, you have to. All the codes. Um, <laughs> Defiant Munitions, you guys want some good quality ammunition. Uh, go check out Pete at Defiant Munitions. 10% off, all caps, LEADHEAD there. Uh, we were talking about IFAX earlier. You can go to Medicine in Bad Places. Use the code LEADHEAD20. You're going to get 20% off any of their products there. they got some nice kits, already pre-made kits, or you can buy the onesies and make your own kits up. Um, and then Keltec, you go to KeltecWeapons.com. Use the code LEADHEAD. You're going to get 15% off anything in their pro shop, excluding guns. Guns aren't included. Uh, but they got some cool stuff, um, you know, Christmas is probably passed by the time you're listening to this, so too late for Christmas, but birthdays and other things coming up. All these places are great to get uh, gifts for uh, for all your fellow leadheads. And then Lockdown, you can go to Lockdown and use the code LEADHEAD. And the secure walls aren't out yet. They're supposed to be out in January. I hadn't checked their website. I don't think they're out yet. Um, but they're safe gear that they've got there. You know, they got dehumidifiers, dehumidifier detectors, and thermometers and uh all kinds of gun racks all kinds of stuff uh go check them out lockdown leadhead 15 percent off i think that's all the codes i got right now but uh, keep listening because we always have new and exciting uh, friends of the show and sponsors jumping in uh, so, Mike, Merry Christmas. I hope that uh, you and your family and everybody has a, a wonderful Christmas and a Happy New Year, and hopefully I get to see you at SHOT Show, buddy. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you, too, man. And if you're at SHOT, definitely let me know. You got my number, and we'll uh, we'll link up for lunch and a beer, man. Several beers. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, you got to make it till the night to start drinking that much. Oh, well, you know, you go ahead, and I start usually a few days before SHOT, you know, to get the tolerance built up, and... <laughs> because it's an all-night thing, usually. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, and to all you leadheads, uh, appreciate the 10 years of support and looking forward to 10 more years of leducating the uneducated here on the Talking Lead podcast with you leadheads. Email me, talkingleadgmail.com, with questions, comments. You've got suggestions for the show, jack wagons, leadhead brigade heroes, all that good stuff. Talkingleadgmail.com. Uh, and until then, Leadheads, Merry Christmas, and as always, keep your loved ones close. Your firearms closer. If you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. I like that. In other words, train and have cool shit. <laughs> there you go. And the way to find out what cool shit is, is to watch Tactical Considerations. Tactical Considerations. <laughs>